Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (laughs) I was at the Barclay Center Thursday night. And I winced from press row when I saw that. Good morning, everybody. I am Mike Sealski, joined, as usual, by Glenn Mack now. Glenn, how are you, my friend? Good morning, Mike. A pleasure. It is. It is. We've got, we've got a lot, a lot on our agenda uh, this morning, starting with Joel Embiid's Rockettes impression, as uh, Kevin Harlan said there on the TNT telecast, and another injury. So, Glenn... Here's where I want to start, and it's it goes beyond just Joel Embiid and the Sixers. Uh, I thought from the start of this week until the end, it was a very, very interesting week to take a step back and look at the three guys who I would argue are the three primary superstars in Philadelphia sports right now. At the start of the week, you had Jalen Hurts reaching an agreement with the Eagles on a contract extension. We've been discussing it all week. It's been kind of the buzz of the town. Five years, $255 million. He's locked up through, what, 2027, I guess. Um, You have Bryce Harper, who is trying to make what would be a remarkable comeback from elbow reconstructive surgery. There's been reporting this week that he could be back in the line of designated hitting sometime next month, which would be two months earlier, I think, than most projections had him uh, when he got Tommy John surgery at the end of last season. And then, of course, you have Joel Embiid, who had that incident in Game 3 Thursday night against the Nets, probably should have been thrown out of the game. He and the Sixers were fortunate that he wasn't. He didn't play a particularly good game, uh, made a big defensive play, a block shot at the end that allowed the, the Sixers to, to escape with a victory. And then we find out yesterday the Sixers announced that Embiid has a sprained right knee and isn't going to play today in Game 4. So, to you, Glenn, where do we stand with these three guys? I get the sense in the last 24 hours or so that people feel like uh, they're being put through the ringer again, so to speak, with Embiid, that it's another year, another controversy, another injury. You have Harper... And you have Hertz, who to me seem on kind of a different plane in town for people. That people admire them, kind of look to them as uh, the top two guys in the city at this point, even though you could make an argument that Embiid is the best player of the three relative to the league he's in. So where are we with these guys? Uh, well, let's, I'll start with Embiid because I think it's the most uh, important in the short term anyway, uh, the most relevant right now. And and. 
Yeah, I guess of the three, he's the one who has had the most distinguished career, although you could argue Harper, too, who's won an MVP, but whatever. Okay, so, uh, by the way, in terms of what went down in that game, I give him each two minutes for roughing and move on. <laughs> I do. I, I, I felt that. It's like, oh, my God, he kicked a guy, and a guy did this, and I thought, the NBA these days, you touch somebody, it's considered a federal case, and I I. I didn't think any of the actions in that game, including the one eventually got Harden thrown out, were quite as big as they were all made out to be. It was guys roughing around. Mm-hmm. It was it was a nasty playoff game, and and you know what, the playoff should be nasty. I don't mind when the third game in an NBA playoff game gets a little ugly. My concern with the Embiid thing is, as great of a season as he has had, and he has had the best season of his career. I there's a part of me, Mike Sealski, that goes, "Oh my God, here we go again." Yep. Now we are. Now we are moving, uh, you know, to the point where the Sixers are inevitably going to win this first round game. Game four comes up today at one o'clock. They can clinch it before you even get home to your <laughs> Bucks County mansion. Mansion, oh. and I fear that it's like, okay, well, he's not playing today. It's a sprained knee. Maybe it's not a big deal. But having seen the broken face and the broken finger and so on, uh, I worry that. It's going to go down the same way it always has. None of this, by the way, do I say, as I have heard on this station, Embiid is a delicate flower. Embiid is, you know, all this mm-hmm. and so on. He's hurt. He's yeah. got a sprained knee. He's hurt. He's a big body who falls clumsily and gets hurt. And if he is hurt, they're doomed. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope and pray that he is not and that they win today and this is going to get, what, 10 days rest? Yeah, it would, yeah. especially since um... – the Celtics lost last night. The Atlanta Hawks beat them, and that series is now at two games to one. So you can really give yourself some runway here if you finish off the Nets this afternoon. Yeah, uh, and I think Embiid is a great player having his best year, and it, it would just be a shame if that little part that nags at my brain right now comes to be the reality. Uh, and you will not hear me criticize Embiid as I've heard him criticized on this station uh, in the last day or so, and including this morning for all the things he is not. I will appreciate him for what he is. Uh, okay, so moving on second, Harper. Mm-hmm. That will be freaking amazing if yeah. he comes back. <laughs> He's going to have know, a bionic arm, I think. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk to our Cooper doc about this later on, but The Athletic had a really good story this week about the quickest recoveries ever from Tommy John surgery, and he's going to be challenging the world record, and that would be – Really something. This is a team that right now is just kind of flagging, man. They are just not yeah. good. They, You know, to, to need what they did to beat the pathetic Colorado Rockies last night was not anything that uh, you want to write home about. So they need that shot in the arm, and he could certainly provide it. Uh, and then the Jalen Hurts thing, I think we all have to feel great about it, and I think we all have to believe, and I do believe, that he doesn't fall into the same – and you wrote a story about this, by the way. You had a really good column about this earlier, which is the Eagles have been down this road before and signed franchise quarterbacks mm-hmm. to franchise uh, contracts, and they have backfired. Yeah. I don't think this one backfired, uh, other than the potential of injury, which, of course, is there with every player. I think you got a kid who is sane and smart and sober and determined – and will not stop until he wins Super Bowls. And I I feel great about that contract. And by the way, that contract wouldn't get any cheaper if the Eagles waited right. even a week or two. Right. Yeah, I, the whole juxtaposition of these three guys is interesting to me because of the way 
that they get perceived nationally and the way they get perceived locally, because I think there's a there's a difference there. I think with respect to Embiid, I think you're right. He should be appreciated for the player that he is. But I think there's a dynamic there that makes – he has farther to go in that regard, I feel like, than Harper and Hertz do because Hertz was a great story, second-round pick who's supposed to be a backup. Harper chose to come to Philadelphia. So there's a built-in affection that I think fans have for someone who says, I choose Philadelphia, I choose you. And B came in with all kinds of expectations – he was sat out the first two years because of injury. As you said, the specter of him getting hurt at this time of year is always there, and it's kind of reared its head again. It, it's just it's an interesting dynamic to me because I think Embiid might be the most talented of the three of them, and yet I suspect, you know, and we may get callers about this today, a lot of people feel like he's third to them amongst those three superstars, that oh, I'll take Harper, I'll take Hurts. There's something about those guys that I really like, and there's something about Embiid. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just don't like it. I think what Embiid has put up or shut up time is, is really what it is, mm. right? I mean, uh, so certainly with Hurts, you have the ascending player who last year surpassed all expectations by miles and stratospheres, you know? Right. The question going into last year is, is he going to be good enough to hold the job? Yeah. Is he going to be able to throw downfield? Is he, you know, is he going to be all of these things? And, oh, my goodness, he became one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, and he ended up in the Super Bowl. Right. So that honeymoon is in full flush, uh, and you, you hope will continue. You never know, but I think that's where he is. I think with Harper, it's fresh off of going to the World Series last year in Bedlam at the bank mm-hmm. and all of the heroics that he did for a team that started out going nowhere – and so what could anybody possibly be frustrated with Bryce Harper about other than the fact that right now he's injured? And I think with Embiid, it's like, here's the story again. Here's the story again. Now, this mm-hmm. year was his best year, and he was great. None of what I'm saying is meant to be in any way a, right. a knock at Embiid, but this town has been waiting for these Sixers, and the process started, help me, eight years ago? Yeah, 2013, so almost okay. 10. God, 10 years ago. 10. Excuse me. Okay, 9, yeah. 10 years ago, and the payoff is supposed to be here by now, and it's a franchise that hasn't been in the NBA Finals since 2001, the, the one Iverson year. And so it's like we're there. This yeah. is it. This is the no-excuses year. This is, you know, the, you got Harden. You, you you got Embiid having a good year. Um you got Maxi having, you know, looking really good. There's no, there's no excuse this year for these Sixers not to get there. Except all of a sudden, here we are. You learn yesterday. Oh my goodness, Embiid could be hurt. Yeah, and I think the Sixers as a whole also have farther to go in terms of likability than either the Eagles or the Phillies do in some respects. I was talking about this the other night at Game Three that. There's something about them, and it might be the expectations that you mentioned that we've been waiting on the Sixers uh, to make a deep playoff run, uh, to pay off the process and its promise. Uh, But there's something about this team. I don't know if it's Embiid. I don't know if it's that the second-best player is James Harden, who's a bit of a mercenary at this point in his career. You know, he went to Brooklyn, and it didn't work out there, and he wanted to get get out of Houston, so he went to Brooklyn, and he wanted to get out of Brooklyn, so he went to Philadelphia. Uh, 
there's a likability factor. Yeah, you have factor. All, all the reason to believe he's going back to Houston. Right, right. exactly. Right. There's a likability yeah, factor that, yeah. the, that the Sixers, I still think, are fighting against in some respects in people's minds. And I don't know, you've been here, what, 30 years. Yeah. Have you seen the dynamic, the, the attitude change at all, soften at all towards our sports, quote-unquote, heroes over those times? Do you feel like the town has gotten, I don't know, not as tough? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. But there's reason for that. So, yeah, I moved here in 86, okay? So I moved here and learned, like, oh, they don't all love the greatest third baseman in the history of baseball, <laughs> right? Because, well, you come in as an outsider and you don't know all of the history and all of the personal dynamics, which is why we get mad when an outside commentator will go, like, oh, well, those Philadelphia fans, right. they don't appreciate it, right? Which, by the way, I know we're going to get to is happening in Arizona as we speak. Oh, right yes. Um, and so, you know, I move in kind of trying to figure it out on the fly and learn how this town feels about it. And like, wow, they booed the Eagles. Like, now I get why they booed the Eagles and why they booed the Eagles. But, yeah, oh, we've definitely gotten um, much – I don't want to use the word softer, but there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. When I moved here, this town had won a championship. Right, right. And when I started working at WIP, this town didn't win a championship for 25 consecutive <laughs> seasons. That really pain, uh, that angst, that desire was bottled up. By the way, this becomes a reference that ends up sounding really dirty. So <laughs> everybody, everybody was backed up for 25 years, okay? <laughs> then the Phillies won in 2008, and the champagne corks popped. Again, take that reference wherever you want. <laughs> And that held us for about another nine five, years five or so. Five minutes, maybe. <laughs> well, okay, but but it really was a great release. And we did become a little bit, um, I hate kinder, gentler, but whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And then we started to get that way again. And then the Eagles won. And I think that, I mean, I hate to say one championship every eight, nine years is going to hold us. But one championship every eight, nine years at least keep us from going nuts. <laughs> so I, I definitely think that's. That's yeah cause and result. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the twenty-five years. That's really a hundred seasons when you yes. think about it, because it's yes. four teams yep. every year who aren't winning. Uh, you know, it's different from say Buffalo, where you have the Sabers and the Bills. So it's really two seasons every year. Well, it's still going on a hundred. Yeah, there. it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more than that. But yes, your point is well taken. That every three months, it's like you get your heart crushed and you think it's going to happen and it doesn't Mm. so it's a combination of teams that like got to the finals and lost which we had a whole bunch of with the flyers got there with like five times over those years and you know the eagles got to the the two super bowls before they won the super bowl and so on or teams that you think are going to be good and then they collapse out of the gate or for whatever Mm -hmm. reason it was all of these storylines of failure but the two years that made it work make it better that said I think, and let's stay with the Sixers because that mm-hmm. is the most current right now. I think if they go out in the second round this town, I think, because maybe it's just how I feel, it's like I, you got to move on. you got to change the dynamic. doesn't mm-hmm. mean I want to trade Embiid. It's the last part I want to do. But everything, Embiid and Maxi stay. Everything else, I just am ready to move from. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that just in practical NBA salary cap reality terms uh i think you're right about that in terms of the feeling around the franchise that they need to go in a new direction whatever direction that and shape that direction might take i also think with respect to Embiid, 
you know, the analogy that I would use uh, is Mike Schmidt, right? Like that lack of appreciation of how good this guy was because generally speaking, he makes what he does look so easy. I mean, Embiid is so gifted with the exception of when he's stumbling and falling to the floor, which uh, happened eight or nine times Thursday night. But he's so gifted and so and so obviously great that I think in some ways that works against him, particularly because the team hasn't met expectations. And this is something that Schmidt dealt with uh, throughout his career, right up until you know the moment that Tug McGraw struck out Willie Wilson. So, yeah, and you know what? You know what I would add for Embiid. And please understand what I am about to say. I don't want to be misconstrued as Glenn is comparing Embiid to Wilt Chamberlain because Wilt Chamberlain was the best player of mm-hmm. the first whatever forty years of the NBA, and Embiid is not. But he falls into the same. Nobody likes Goliath. Right. Nobody roots for Goliath. You are the biggest, strongest guy on the court, and so therefore it people will will. It, will turn against that. Yeah, yeah. People will not root for that. Yeah. You should be scoring every time. Look at how much bigger and stronger you are. Right, and we had our franchise tank for you, basically. You were yeah. the big payoff of of years of losing pretty much on purpose to get high draft picks. And so, the last one left, right? Yeah, exactly. The last one didn't work out. So No, no, he's the last one Oh, left he is the last one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I thought you were referring to Ben Simmons. Um, no. Well, he, well, yeah, well, Ben Simmons as well as Fultz, as well as Okafor, as yeah. well as Nerlens Noel. I mean, like, he's the only one left from the whole thing, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, so, you know, I kind of wanted to begin there just because it was such a big week. Uh, in terms of news with respect to those three guys, kind of the, the troika at the top of uh, the city sports uh, pyramid, I guess you'd say, uh, right now. And it's always good to kind of take a step back and kind of assess where we are, I think, uh, in this era in pro sports. Because often, you know, you look, we look back fondly, I think, at the Allen Iverson era, or we might look back fondly at the Eric Lindros era. But in the moment... Uh, you're often frustrated or you're saying to yourself, why isn't this going better? Why can't the Flyers win a Stanley Cup? Why can't the Sixers surround Iverson with the pieces they need to, to really challenge to win a championship? All those sorts of things. So uh, it just hey, kind of struck me. can I ask you me. another question? Yeah. Because you just raised the name and we're comparing people to people. And you, we mentioned Smith and we mentioned Chamberlain and so on. Is Embiid this era's Eric Lindros? Boy, that's a great comparison. Well, that I think like columnist. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not because the story hasn't played out, and you hope it doesn't have the tragic ending of Eric Lindros, right? But is the story arc kind of the same? I think it's very similar in terms of the style of athlete that they are, and what I mean by that is when Embiid is great, you watch him and you marvel at what he can do in a in a manner similar to what you did when Lindros was at his peak and was healthy. You couldn't believe a guy that big could be that skilled and that fast. And you watch Embiid and you think it's impossible that a guy that big could be that nimble and that able to shoot as well from the outside and do all the things that he does, but neither of them can stay healthy. And I wonder if we're destined to kind of look back and say, boy, that era wasn't everything it could have been. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. Though. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. on that note, coming up on the rest of the show... Uh, we've got a couple of terrific guests. Now, first of all, at 11 o'clock, this is going to be a real treat. There's a gentleman at Montgomery County Community College who is 56 years old and playing baseball. Glenn came across this story. We had it in the Inquirer, a terrific piece by uh, a writer named Jason Nark about 
Jim Fullen, who is kind of living his dream playing college baseball at age 56. Glenn, this reminds me of the Dennis Quaid movie, The Rookie, uh, yeah. if you've ever seen that. And so uh, we're going to talk to Jim at 11 o'clock. At noon, we're going to have a gentleman who our audience might be familiar with. Uh, Glenn, what's his name? Uh, Dudinger. Didinger. Didinger, right, right. So Ray Didinger will join us at noon to talk about the Eagles, talk about the draft, talk about the Hertz contract, talk about the Eagles' decision to hire pencil-chewing defensive assistant coach and mastermind Matt Patricia, uh, who, of course, helped the Eagles already win a Super Bowl. And we're going to get into something that Jonathan Gannon said the other day and some other comments from current Eagles and all kinds of good stuff. We'll have what we're watching at 1125. We'll do our Cooper Doc segment. All of that ahead with Glenn Mack now. I am Mike Sealski, and of course we will take your calls at 215-592-9494. Glenn Mack now, Mike Sealski on WIP. 94 WIP, Mike Sealski and Glenn Mack now with you until 1 o'clock. Uh, before we get to a minor controversy that uh, arose out west, uh, Tom from Cherry Hill wants to weigh in on the Joel Embiid question. Tom, what do you have? Hey, guys. How you doing? Love the show. Listen to you every Saturday morning. Really appreciate it. And, and Glenn, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you, myself, and William Shakespeare say, share the same <laughs> birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday to you. Uh, we, we do, as a matter of fact. And thank you very much. And uh, you have a great birthday tomorrow. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I was listening to you guys talk about the comparison between Embiid and Lindros. And, and, and you are so right on. And, you know, when I watch both those guys, I think to myself at times, you know, men playing with boys mm-hmm. at times. And and uh, I just think you're, you're right spot on on that. And uh I do agree. If they don't make it past the second round, you really definitely have to change the direction of the team. Coach, players, everything. Just keep maxing the beat and, and build from there. Yeah, I'm with you, Tom, and thanks so much for the call. I think that's just the reality of where the Sixers are at at this point. And just to be clear, Glenn, you weren't mm-hmm. born on the same day as William Shakespeare, right? You're not that old. Not literally okay. the same 1563 <laughs> or whenever he was. By the way, you know something about William Shakespeare? He also died on his birthday. Did he really? Which I do not plan to do tomorrow. Okay, yeah. Um, so you got a show to do, man. <laughs> Nobody wants that. No, I'm off tomorrow, actually. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I'm, you know, I'm actually, uh, I am celebrating my, my birthday. I'm up uh, in Massachusetts visiting my kids and my grandkids. And so we're going to have a festive time uh, doing that tomorrow. But, yeah, don't you do that? Like, you, you look at all the odd collection of people with whom you share a birthday? Not often. Uh, no? No, oh, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why. Because I already have a very important person in my life who shares my birthday. My son, Evan, is was, that, oh, was born so nice. on my birthday. Wow, yes. that's the best present. It, it, it was the greatest thing. I made my wife do that. Um, she was in the hospital. I'm like, no, you got to time this up. <laughs> You got to time this up, and fortunately, she did. Let's go, Doc. Um, yeah, exactly. So, Can we induce here, please? <laughs> we got it in under the wire so that we could share a birthday. Wow, that's nice. But yeah. See, I, I, I don't think I'm the only person who does that because they have, you know, born on this day, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, oh, look, William Shakespeare and Cervantes and Tony Esposito, and you know, it's like ah, Tony, Henry Tony Esposito Clay. might be the head of the class in that. There one, you right? go, the late Real Cormier, and it's like, you know, Andrew Jones was one of them, and I just. I can't imagine I'm the only person. Who no, does, I'm right? sure you're not. I just and then I, you take a weird pride in like like my wife will always one up me. My wife will go like, yeah, that's great. Uh, I got Jesus. <laughs> 
her birthday is voice uh, and she's jewish but nonetheless yeah. still impressive her birthday is december 25th that's nice huh? you figured that out i'm smart and i want respect not like they say <laughs> so glenn our favorite former eagles defensive coordinator jonathan gannon was speaking the other day to uh, a group of cardinals fans at a, at a jersey unveiling i guess he's the new head coach out there in arizona and he had some interesting things to say about Eagles fans and Eagles media. And Dan Wilson, if you would play that cut, we would appreciate it. So Glenn, wow! Yeah, yeah. Your thoughts? Well, it's a it's a it's a sack of lies. Um, <laughs> I mean, from the small lies, which is they were eight and one, they weren't nine and zero, oh, and they didn't lead the league by thirty plus sacks at midpoint of the season. That would have been pretty amazing. Um, to the lie of saying they went to my press conference and said we want you fired. Now, there were several people who wanted him fired, led by our own Angelo Cataldi, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess the only other one that I can name was Seth Joyner. I don't even know if Seth wanted him fired, but Seth certainly didn't like the job he was doing. Right. He certainly but wanted you, him to blitz more. Yeah. You you go to those news conferences, Mike, and I can't imagine Jeff McClain or you know any of those guys, Dave Zingaro or any of those guys saying, hey, coach, we want you fired. That's none of that ever happened. So in the grand scheme of what he's doing, he's creating a series of lies to emphasize a point, which is he wasn't popular in Philadelphia. And on the scale of egregiousness from one to ten, I'll give it about a five. Yeah, you? I yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I would come down in a kind of the same way. I think what he's trying to do is ingratiate himself with Cardinals fans out there, and he's trying to make light of – his situation here with the Eagles, which is that I'm sure if you shot him up with sodium pentothal, Jonathan Gannon would say, I didn't get enough credit for uh, a defense that was terrific last season and almost won a Super Bowl. Now, having said that, you're right. Most of what he said there isn't true. Uh, And my bigger issue with Gannon uh, always was, not what he said in press conferences, and you're right. Nobody in any of those press conferences or you know, the Tuesday morning meetings, you know, we who cover the team would have with Gannon ever said, you should be fired, you know, why have you not resigned in shame, right. you know. Right. Nobody it's ever not the way it But just, I'm, just let me interject one thing. The, the audible gasp from somebody in that conversation. Yes. Oh, my God, Philadelphia. <laughs> Which, again, plays into the stereotypes we talked about earlier. So yeah. that's the part. Like, that's not true. No, no, it's not. It's not. And look, he's trying to win kind of a PR battle, so to speak. You know, he's trying to get off to a good start in Arizona. Uh, the bigger issue for me, as I was about to say, with respect to Gannon, was the aftermath of the Super Bowl, to be very honest. I think we talked mm-hmm. about this on the show where you had ju- you know James Bradbury standing up there answering questions about the holding call, and you had all the defensive players answering for why they gave up 38 points to the Chiefs and couldn't hold on to a 10-point lead. And Jonathan Gannon wasn't there with yeah, those guys. Yeah, you know? he knew he was going to get the job, so it was it was a, he snuck out of town that way, which is not a yeah 
not a manly way to do it. No, it's not. Now, there's there was another sort of quasi quote controversy that came up this week as well, Glenn. Or, that I or quasi quasi, I like it. Um, which I think you know was a burr under your saddle even a little more than Gannon, and that was Quez Watkins uh, taking to Twitter as modern athletes are wont to do. And after the Eagles had signed, you know, this gigantic signing they make where they bring back a hometown guy, um, Olamide Zacchaeus. I want to make sure I pronounce that correctly. Saint Pretty jo- good. Saint Can you Joe's- do it yet without spell checker? Are you uh, <laughs> that name? I hope I, you're going to be typing that name a lot next year. I, I needed to get to Hooked on Phonics uh, yeah. just to make sure I was pronouncing it correctly. Um, but they sign him. It looks like he's got the inside track, one would think, to be their slot receiver. That's... What he's built to do, he's a pretty good one. He's pretty experienced. He has decent numbers in Atlanta playing for quarterbacks who aren't as good as Jalen Hurts. And Quez Watkins on Twitter writes, quote, uh, that basically he's angry at, I don't know, fans, the Eagles, the media, whoever, and says, I'm going to make y'all eat every bleeping word. Glenn, yeah, should a player who dropped a potential touchdown pass in the Super Bowl be telling anybody that he's going to make them eat their words. No, he should shut his big, fat, slobbering mouth, keep his head down, and just do what he's supposed to do and try to hold on to his job. Um, he's Jalen Rager all over again, and I am sure when he did this, Nick Sirianni saw this and went, oh, "Yeah, this is, this is not what we need at all. Uh, and it didn't work for Rager, and it doesn't work. First of all, why, how is his fight with the fans? What, the fans did not drop that pass in the Super Bowl. No. Okay? The fans didn't have that bad year he did. I saw a, a stat written today that he was a contested target on 11 passes last year. He caught one, one. of them. Yes. He allowed three interceptions when he was targeted. Um, he was terrible. Um, he All the promise he had shown before in his career disappeared, and he was terrible. And so – when you're terrible like that, coming back with a bad attitude, particularly against the fans, isn't going to help you in any way because you challenge the fans. Guess what? They're going to win, and you're going to lose, and you're going to look real bad. I wish I'd seen that motivation from him during the season. I think this is a really poor look for Quez Watkins. Yeah, and, and we see this, obviously, with modern-day athletes because they have social media at their fingertips. It's become this kind of thing that – I used to scoff at a couple of years ago, and you can't scoff at anymore, which is you really have to follow these athletes on Twitter, on Instagram, because anymore, that's generally where you're going to get honest looks at what they think. And this was a peek at Quez Watkins being angry, which I think in a way, in kind of a weird way, is good. Like, it's good that he's fired up and wants to show, prove everybody wrong, but... To your point, Glenn, it's not great that he's doing this in front of everybody, right? Like, you can you can be angry and you can want to prove people wrong. Just put in the work and hold yeah, on to your job. Mike, who's he angry at? Yeah, I think he's I think he's probably angry at the Eagles to a certain degree that they felt they had to bring uh, Zacchaeus in. Okay, you know, um, I'm sure he's got. And th- this is a case I think we've seen with other athletes. Take Kevin Durant, who read their social media mentions, and it gets to them. Yes. And I think that's a problem. I really do. For yes. whether you're as great as Durant or whether you're a Quez Watkins, turn that stuff off, guys. Yeah, anybody. Listen, you and I are on social. Well, you respond to stuff more than I do. Yeah, but I try to I have did, a but you do fun it, with it. Yeah. I know you do it with tongue-in-cheek, and you're, you're having a laugh, and sometimes you're doing a mock. I just 98% of the time ignore it. 
and I'm just a slob with a radio show. If you are somebody who is a prominent athlete, entertainer, politician, you know that comes with the territory, that the people who respond to stuff on social media and chat forums and so on do so because they're fired up to be angry at you, to criticize you. So don't look at it. And one more time, his problems, he didn't drop that pass because the fans made him drop that pass. He dropped that pass because he missed an opportunity to help his team win a Super Bowl. And I'm sure – while his teammates won't say anything directly to him, a lot of them walked out of that door that day and said, like, man, Quez, have you caught that thing? So yeah. I, I think I, I will – I don't think this overstates it. No. I think this is a large step along the way toward Quez Watkins not playing with the Eagles next year. Yeah, I think that's very possible, uh, certainly depending on how things shake out. In training camp, uh, Nick from Collegeville says he can't stand Jonathan Gannon. Uh, <laughs> Nick, you're on with Glenn and Mike. Um, yeah. Bring yeah, the hate, man. Gentlemen. Oh, look, I didn't hate him prior to 36 hours ago well, when I heard this quote. Uh, here's my thing. Did he thank Howie for getting the two most impactful – I'm sorry, three most impactful defensive players last offseason? Did he thank him first? Uh, I, I, mean, I would assume he did. <laughs> but not publicly well, yeah. in this forum, if that's your point. Yeah. Yes, correct. No, he that's did, my he did point. not make mention of that on this day. Program. Yes. That's my whole point. I mean, I would say if you've got three of the worst defensive coordinators from last year and put them in Jonathan Gannon's position last year, that defense wouldn't have looked that bad. Now, you guys rattled these stats off many times last season. How did his defense look against mediocre to horrific quarterbacks? Excellent, correct? Yeah. Yeah. How did that defense look against the top five quarterbacks in the league, including the guy we played? Super Bowl Sunday in the second half. Yeah, Nick, you, you make a great point, and, and thanks so much for the call. Uh, we're up against the break here. But, yeah, I mean, that was the complaint when Gannon was here. It's you, you can beat the Daniel Joneses, and you can beat whoever Washington is lining up at quarterback, but get Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and it's kind of the path of least resistance uh, there from the Eagles' defense. Um, anyway, we would love to hear more from you uh, on Jonathan Gannon, on the Sixers, on Joel Embiid. Brian and Rob hang in there. Uh, anyone else who wants to weigh in, 215-592-9494. Uh, coming up, we've got a great story at 11 o'clock. We've got what we're watching. Glenn's got been watching a show that I need all-time to watch. Great show. An all-time, all-time great, great show, show that I need to start watching. Uh, I am watching what I think is an all-time great show that, that Glenn does not like. Uh, and we'll, of course, you know, deal with the Sixers and the Eagles and the Phillies and all that stuff. Glenn Mack now, Mike Sealski, 94 WIP. Hey, are you tired of dealing with those old, inefficient windows in your house? Maybe it's time to go Guida. How about that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door? You know, you've painted over it more times than you can count. Hey, go Guida. If you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door, go Guida. What about that sliding patio door? I mean, that garage door you've been meaning to replace? Go Guida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Now, to help you get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay it off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Now, restrictions apply offers for a limited time. So what are you waiting for? It's time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com.
I would listen to Kevin Harlan call a chess match. He's the best. I love him. God, He's the best. I, I tried him. to get him on the show when we were doing um, when Ray and I were doing uh, "Tell Us Your Story," and I, I wasn't able to do it. But God, he is so entertaining. He's great. He's absolutely great. He he raises the level of intensity of whatever he's calling in a good way. You know, it's it's proportional. He doesn't overstate it. I don't feel like uh, he's one of the best out there. And and was appropriately uh, jazzed, I guess you'd say, about what Tyrese Maxey did in the final four or five minutes of that game three on Thursday night. Maxey was just terrific. And, you know, I think that, Glenn, that's a question the Sixers are going to have to answer, uh, assuming they get past the Nets, and they're going to get past the Nets, is – can they keep Maxi playing at that level? Because he's really the only guy mm-hmm. they have who's creating his own shot on the perimeter, uh, and they're going to need that, uh, yeah. you know, to make a deep playoff run. Because um, I don't think James Harden is is that guy anymore. You know, just me. Uh, Brian want, from Mount Laurel wants to weigh in on the Embiid Harper Hurts discussion. What do you got, Brian? Hey, Glenn. Hey, Mike. Great show. Uh, hey, thanks. Long time listener, Glenn. Thank you. Uh, um, just a little bit, uh, and and real quick on the uh, Kevin Harlan. They they on the I think it was on the morning show. They played a great sequence with him and uh, Reggie Miller going back and forth. It was it, it, it's awesome listening to him. He's the, he's one of the best out there, and I, and I think you know it's interesting, Brian. There are a lot of really good NBA announcers out there. If you listen to Brian Anderson on TNT, he's really good. Ian Eagle is terrific. Um, anytime you're li- you're watching an NBA game nationally, generally speaking, uh, you're getting a good call. Yeah, you get you get a, you get to actually feel the emotion in the building. Yes, but yes. um, with Embiid, Hurts, and Harper, I think a lot of it is is what they do in the face of adversity. When he lo- when Embiid lost the MVP to Jokic, he physically on the court affected his play, affected his emotions, affected everything. Hertz doesn't win the MVP, and he put an MVP performance together in the Super Bowl. Harper carries carries the team. I mean, that was a group effort last year going to the World Series. But he comes together and does the things he needed to do to put them in a position to win the World Series. And Bede hasn't taken that step, and I think that's the criticism I have of him, is that he lets his emotions get involved. I mean, this, this past game, he probably – Probably could have been ejected for that. Harper or uh, the the makeup call later in the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his emotions. He is almost like a soccer player mentality. And if you did a survey on how many guys in the NBA are on the floor or who's on the floor the most, he's on the floor a lot, and that creates injuries. That that puts him in a position to be injured, having guys falling over him and. And tripping over him, that's what it seemed like happened with his knee. Yeah, and now we lose him for a game, and it's gonna it, it's gonna negatively hurt the Sixers. So, yeah, I think that's what that's what the view of him is is that he lets his emotions get get a hold of him, and he's he's fragile. Yeah, Brian, I think that's a that's a very fair point, and Glenn, that kind of uh, gets to what you were saying earlier in the show that there's always kind of this cloud with him what's when's the next yeah. shoe gonna drop in yep. terms of something bad happening yeah and that's why you know I, the report comes out yesterday oh he's got a sprain it's like oh are you kidding me at this point he just can't have it now we said they're fortunate it looks minor maybe just missed today presumably they beat brooklyn today and you get the 10 days off before you got to face boston but 
we said it going in, Mike. We said it during the season. This is the year. This is the put up yep. or shut up year. He had the MVP season. He deserves and will get the MVP. He's got to continue that in the postseason. Or all of this narrative that the last caller said so well will just continue. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw a couple of people uh, on social media speculating that maybe Embiid wasn't hurt that badly and this was simply a bit of a ploy by the Sixers to keep him out of the lineup today. They know they can beat the Nets. Why risk having uh, Nick Claxton bait him again and, you know, he gets another technical foul and maybe you lose him for a game suspension later in the playoffs? I don't know about you. I, I watched that game. I was there at the Barclays Center Thursday night, watched it from beginning to end. He spent a good bit of that game limping from hitting the, the deck twice, three times, four times. And, and to me, it's a legitimate concern. How healthy is he going to be going forward? Because these small and minor injuries, however you describe them, tend to escalate. With Joel It's Ellen. definitely a legitimate concern. And I think that the idea of what that narrative suggests of load management in the postseason, I don't care if you're up 3 nothing. You don't tempt the – are there basketball gods? Like there's hockey gods? I think there's gods, gods in every sport. Okay, yeah. well, you don't tempt the basketball gods by doing that. No, I, I think you're right. Uh, Bill in Haddon Township uh, has some thoughts on Joel. Bill, you're on with Glenn and Mike. Yeah, just following up on that, you know, previous caller. You know, it, it's like I have PTSD from the Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell era. And um, I'm hoping Embiid doesn't – you know, live out that scenario. You know, he lacks, what I see is he lacks mental toughness, you know, the Russell toughness. And, you know, we often wondered about Will Chamberlain, the greatest player, but could he win, you know, the big games? And I think, you know, that's, that's why I say PTSD, because I feel like I'm kind of living this over again. Uh, I mean, Embiid is just so fantastic. I mean, the guy can even shoot free throws. Yeah. When yeah. did we ever have one of those? Yeah, he's you're right, Bill, and thank you so much for the call. He's one of the best free-throw shooting big men of all time. I mean, he takes the technical foul shots for the Sixers if he's on the floor, and you rarely see that from a guy who's seven feet tall. But I think the, the Chamberlain thing, Glenn, and you raised it, is a good analogy in that the question about Wilt always was not whether he was great. He's maybe arguably the greatest player of all time, but it's does he have that little bit extra that mm-hmm. Bill Russell seemed to have when it came time to win a ba- basketball game? And I think that's an open question with Embiid. Of course he's great, but you're judging him against players like LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and Steph Curry. Right, you want to be generational, right? right exactly. You don't want to be a perennial all-star, which is great, and on a career arc for a Hall of Fame, which is great, you want to, you know. Yeah. Win some damn championships. Yeah, darn right. Uh, Rob, before we hit the break, wants to uh, weigh in on a player who we did not mention as one of the city stars, but has had a terrific season nonetheless, Bryson Stott. Rob from Doylestown, you're on with Glenn and Mike. Yeah, he uh, he uh, broke uh, Puddinghead Jones' uh, 16-game uh, hitting streak to yep. start the season. And Puddinghead Jones, uh, his name has been bandied about because it's so unique. But, uh, you know, every every – He's the, the longest tenured uh, third baseman the Phillies have had behind Mike Schmidt, and uh, I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. Well, I, I I agree, Rob. Thank you so much for the call, Glenn. I definitely I, think that we need to spend more time I didn't on. No, we were going to get Jones. a putting head. Jones deserves respect call today. <laughs> Chuck well, Klein, Chuck Klein, maybe, but you know, Puddinghead Jones. Uh, you, you you never know. You never know. Uh, so look, coming up. 
uh, at 11 o'clock in another couple of minutes, uh, we're going to be talking to Jim Fullen, who is a 56-year-old college baseball player from Montgomery County Community College. It's an incredible story. Uh, Glenn set this up, and we're going to be able to talk to Jim at 11 o'clock. Later on in the show, we're going to have Ray Dinger at noon. We're going to have what we're watching at 1125. And, of course, we'll be taking your calls at 215-592-9494. He is Glenn Macnow. I am Mike Sealski. This is WIP. They're calling it Brooks. It's great. He won't be back. He respects you, and I thought you might want to be the one to tell him. Sure. Things that you're going to. They're calling me up. Till you fly out of here tonight, you catch up with the team tomorrow. Well, that, of course, is a uh, great little moment from the movie The Rookie, uh, starring Dennis Quaid, where he gets the 30-year-old Jim Morris gets called up to the Tampa Bay Rays, which they were at the time. A feat really unsurpassed until this moment when a 56-year-old postal worker gets his dream of playing with all of the 19- and 20-year-olds on Montgomery County Community College. And today, when the Mustangs take on Ocean County College, look for Jim Fullen because he's out there. Jim, um, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And let me see if I can give the background correctly here and stop me if I'm wrong. Um, You were, as a uh, kid in high school, you're cut from fishing Egan High team in Fairless Hills all these yeah. years ago. Uh, you went to the Army. You worked for the Postal Service. You haven't played hardball in about 17 years. And now you decided at age 56 that you wanted to get back into it. You worked your butt off. And here you are, a rostered player for Montgomery Community College. We got that right? Yes, that's correct. All right. Explain how, like, how this entered your crazy head. <laughs> like many things actually uh i wanted to get back into baseball a couple of years ago and um I, I joined an over 50 league up in lehigh valley because i was actually working up in wilkes Bear at the time and living in in the pocono area so i joined an over 50 league and uh i just felt like something was missing like you were the dodgers at the time and you know i'm wearing like this replica jersey and in the back of my mind for years you know i always wanted to wear like an authentic jersey and represent a school somewhere so grow and grow and then you know i started to talk to people about it and it was kind of mixed emotions like you know midlife crisis go go buy a corvette today what do you want to go do with <laughs> body and everything and the, and the more i thought of it the more it was like you know i need to at least attempt this because the thought won't go away until i at least attempt something in this realm so uh i was initially uh gonna stay up in uh, luzerne county but uh their program folded and then i you know reach out to about a half dozen colleges and, you know, either didn't get a call back or kind of was gently told, yeah, you know, this isn't really for you. And then once I, uh, I, I, something told me, go see Montgomery County play and don't email them, don't call them. And I went and introduced myself to the coaches and uh, they were just all about it. I mean, it was, it was I mean, they, they actually made it easy for me to follow through with this decision. And then the next hurdle was, okay, how are these guys going to do these things? 
and uh, and I said it's all going to come down to how they receive me because I don't want to be part of something that I don't that they don't want me to be part of. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it really worked out. I mean, in the fall is when the, the first time I met everybody, and we had like a, you know some exhibition games and, and practices for about eight weeks or so. And then um, yeah, I had some injuries too, and I I, I was contemplating like yeah, I am crazy, you know, broken finger, heart attack, <laughs> torn rotator cuff. Wait, wait. So, Jim, you 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 played through and came back a broken finger and a heart attack and a torn rotator cuff. Yes, I still well, it's still torn, but I don't throw it with the left shoulder, so I can get away with it. Oh my! Well, the gosh. heart the heart attack might be the the, the <laughs> big one. Yeah. I, and I, before I turn to Mike, just let me say, if Jim, if you hear wind in Jim's phone, it's because he's at BP today before the game, and he told us he has a hard out at eleven fourteen because he's got to get to outfield practice. So. Yeah, we have high out at eleven fifteen. I understand. Uh, oh my gosh! So, Jim, I, I love this story for multiple reasons. First of all, my father is a retired postal inspector, so. So I hope you never crossed paths with him while you were working for the post office, because that would have been bad. Uh, well, I, I was a postmaster, so I dealt with inspection service all the time. Oh, okay, great, great, <laughs> good, good. Um, I lived in Ambler for a while, and my wedding reception was quite literally across the street from Montgomery County Community College. So, At Norm- Normandy Farms? Yes, that's correct. Daughter, that's where my daughter got married. Look at this. It's, it's just yeah. all coming up familiarity. This is great. So I, I did a piece for the Inquirer a couple of years ago about... Uh, guys who play in these semi in semi pro baseball leagues, you know, when they're in their thirties and forties and fifties, and you mentioned you had this itch that you just couldn't scratch. What was it? Had you played as a kid and you just couldn't let it go? Did you just want to do something active? What was it that kind of propelled you to say, you know what, I'm going to give college baseball a try? Well, I I played as a kid and I played in my twenties, played in my thirties, and then every time, like in my twenties. 20- in my 20s, you know, my kids were starting to grow up, and I was watching them play, so I gave it up to, you know, watch them. And then I got back into my 30s because my uh, my oldest son was uh, uh, coming out of uh, Bucks County. He was a catcher for Bucks 20 years ago, so uh, him and I ended up playing on the same uh, team for about three years. And then I got I kind of got out of it. And then after seeing now my grandkids are now playing you know, baseball and softball in the, in the Levittown area. Nine so of them, right? Like, you have nine grandkids? Nine grandkids. So then here we go again. You know, I just wanted to get out there and play. But this time something told me, you're retiring. You know, why Why not? Why not just do something different? I mean, I've got all the time. In the, well, not all the time. But, you know, school always interested me. And I never went full time. And I figured, you know, let's let's give this a shot and see. Hey, if it doesn't work out, at least I can walk away saying, hey, at least I tried it. I think it's great. Uh, and as part of this, you are a student there, right? You are taking classes. Yeah, yeah. After this, I only have five to go after this because I've been going since, uh, you know, part-time over the years. And then I, I started full-time in January. And I'm planning again next year. I'm going to use both years of my eligibility up and graduate in May of 24. God, this is great. This is Jim, I'm curious. What do you talk about with your teammates and the other students? We uh, we talk about everything. It's not just baseball. Like, we'll talk strategy and we talk about how the game was when I was younger and how it is now, like the technology. Like, I don't even understand the acronyms they use. I'm like, what's a PO? What's an IO? What, what's, you know, ball, you know, all these different acronyms they use. But then we get into school, and uh, I'm usually bugging the heck out of them for help on, you know, how to use my laptop. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's clips of me writing in a notebook where everyone has a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I still write in a notebook. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I'm as old school as you are. So. Yeah. I saw that, um, like uh, those of us of a certain age, you've kind of made some adjustments uh, uh, with the equipment. Is that correct? What What do you got going there? 
Uh, well, I use a little short bat because they, you know, I'm, I play in a, a Lehigh Valley over 50 league, so obviously, you know, it's about half the speed. So yeah. I use a, it's a wooden bat league, so I use a bigger bat there. But here I, I narrow it down to a 32 inch because they're throwing yeah, low 80s, you know, and, and every day at practice we're, you know, facing a pitching machine in the low to mid 80s. Hey, so. if you're catching, I got to tell you, if you're 56 years old and you can catch up to a fastball in the mid 80s, you're ahead of everybody, pal. Let's just not talk about the curveball then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jim, in this story in the Inquirer that that Jason Nark wrote and and talked to you and obviously came out to to a game or a practice, um, yeah. he describes a scene where you get an at bat and you you rope a foul ball down the uh, a line drive down the line. Looks like it's going to be fair. It, it turns out it's foul. Uh, yeah. How are you? I, I hate to. In a way, I kind of hate to ask this, but what are your stats? How have you been hitting this season? So I, I've only been in two games. I mean, it's it's tough. we're good. I mean, we're a good team. Mm-hmm. We're thirteen and so we're nationally ranked there for a while. Um, you know, it, it's reality. I mean, and I'm okay with it. You know, it's just the, the nature of life. You know, how your body changes. But I did get a. It was against Central Penn out of Harrisburg, and it was a it was a three one count, and I hit it right down the line, and I'm rounding first, thinking, "Am I actually? I don't even get doubles in my over fifty league, let alone this league." And the ump's waving his arms, basically grabbing me, saying, "No, no, man, it's foul ball." Uh, and I fell a couple more off, and then and took a low. Yeah, I thought it was low and inside, but you know you can't be taking too much on a two strike count. So uh, I did strike out on that, and they were in Myrtle Beach. I had another at bat, and I jammed my finger. And I, shouldn't, I didn't want to tell my coach, so I batted with nine fingers. <laughs> I was a D eight for wow. half the game. <laughs> oh my god! I'm, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity. No, 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 no. absolutely you, not. You can, you cannot sit. So Mike mentioned the story in the Inquirer. Uh, I know there's a piece in USA Today. I actually discover you because I on, on the CBS National News, and they always try to put that nice story at the end after the 25 minutes of horror. And there you <laughs> were at the end. It was, it was great. How are you dealing with your sudden fame? I wouldn't call it fame. <laughs> you know what? It's it's these guys, man. I mean, I'm a small part of a big picture, and and the, oh, listen, them Mike, welcoming Mike me. Mike said I mean, like it, a true athlete, Mike. It, 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 this is great. He, we're getting the cliches. This it, is it's awesome. Not a, it's not a. It's it's actual. I mean, it's like these guys really welcome me, and and it and it's all because of them and the coaching staff. I mean, I'm I'm just doing my thing because I'm I'm available to do it. Um, but it really comes down to the. The quality of the school, the facilities, the location, you know, the, the, the students, even the students are very receptive. But it, it, it takes everybody to make something like this happen, Not certainly not just me. So, Jim, you, you were born on Long Island and then moved to Fairless Hills. So did you grow up a Yankees fan? Did you grow up a Phillies fan? Kind of take us through your baseball I, fandom. I grew up a Mets fan. Oh, and, I'm um, sorry. And, no, well, you know, as my daughter and the kids got older, she would kind of give me this stare, like, you still like the Mets? <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of gravitated towards the Philly side. So I'm a true Phillies fan. Jim Fullen is his name. Uh, he is number 38, right, in your program? Is that correct? Yes, 38. All right. In, in case they can't tell you from the other players by watching. Uh, and I, I will ask you before we let you go, and I know you again. You got to get to to outfield yeah, I practice. Get out there in a second. What's the goal? What what would make this complete for you? Uh, not get hurt, uh, make the playoffs, and I really want to see these guys move on to a four year school. There's nothing more satisfying than seeing some of these players move on and play because I want to see them. Because let's face it, after next year, I'm never going to play ball with them again. But I would love to go see them play. So my goal is to maybe help them move on to a four-year school. And one way I'll do it, we'll take reps out in the outfield or as we take uh, 
batting practice, I'll say, yo, go, go take another round. I don't need three rounds. You know, you might need it. You're the starting third baseman. I'll get my one or two and I'm good. Anything to help these guys out uh, to move on. That's really my goal. Mike, you get the last one. Just Jim, I just want to say congratulations, man. I think this kind of thing, uh, if you have the opportunity to do it, as you clearly did, you should take advantage of it. I admire what you're doing, and I just wish you all the best, man. I hope, uh, I hope you're calling back in uh, later in the season telling us about the uh, a line drive single that uh, drove in the game-winning run one day. Happens. And if I can just say, I want to give some props to my catcher, Jake, man. He, he caught every inning this year so far. He's sitting right next to me. There you go. That's your, your, I got to tell you, among other things, you're a terrific teammate. Jim Fullen uh, is his name. Montgomery County Community College home game today? Yeah, we have a doubleheader. Yep, we're getting ready to start a little bit. There you go. Go watch him at noon. We hope you get in the game and, uh, and get your moment. Thank you, pal. Hey, thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Jim. Have I'll meet day. you for All a right. drink at Normandy Farm later. Oh, man, I'm ready. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, good luck. What a great guy he is. That was, that was awesome. That was, yeah. that was just great. I, I love stories like that. I love people who, are, who fill their lives with things that they love to do. And, you know, honestly, Glenn, it's something that as a parent of two young boys uh, – and I imagine a number of parents uh, feel this way nowadays. I feel like I'm constantly like trying to encourage my kids, like, get out of the house. Go do stuff. Get off your screens. Go knock on a friend's door. Do those kinds of things. And the fact that a gentleman at age 56 isn't just sitting around kind of being. He's going out and pursuing kind of his dream. I just yeah. think it's it's terrific. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's got it. And listen, you know. It's pretty good life that he's got right now. He went back. He hadn't gone to college, so he goes back to college. He's taking classes. Obviously, you, you know all of the other guys there have to really like him, right? Sure. He's that, that wise head. He seems like he's got a terrific personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets to hang around in a dugout. It's, that's, it's that's the a greatest thing. thing. I did a story a couple of years ago for the Inquirer about the Fairmount Park League, which was a semi-pro league that had yeah. like four teams left and – these guys would play. They would drive to Northeast High School and play on kind of this, you know, ratty kind of field. But they would do it just because they loved it, and they loved baseball, and they loved being able to be active at you know in their thirties and forties and fifties. And they still had that competitiveness. They had played in college or high school. Uh, and if you take a look around, sometimes you, you find the damnedest things when it comes to, to stories like this. Yeah, I'm glad we uh, were able to get him. Uh, and I appreciate I want to thank the people at Montgomery County Community College who, who helped hook that up. Uh, as you said, the uh, Inquirer, Jason Nark, did a nice story. And I'm just the other night I'm watching the national news and they say, coming up, you know, the 56 year old man living his dream. And I'm watching this slightly portly, you know, little <laughs> middle aged spread guy running around with all these 19-year-olds, and it's like, what a great story. And then I realized, oh, my goodness, he's local. Let's yep. get him. Yeah. So love it. Yeah. Love that and it's, it's, a, it's a great – Montgomery County Community College is a great school. It's a beautiful campus, a beautiful field. Like, seriously, if you're not doing anything today and are near Bluebell, go watch a game. Worst ways to spend an afternoon. And by the way, just to, just to end it, here's what a nice guy he is. We said, what's your goal? And he said, my goal is for my teammates to get, four, to get into yeah. four-year schools. Yeah. That's a good guy. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, John and Maniunk is with us. Hey, John. What's on your mind today? Hey, guys. I'm a little uh, math challenge, and I was wondering. I know that um, uh, Jalen Hurts. He's getting the largest contract of all time. I don't know, if Dave, uh, Mike, or you can explain how everyone's uh, crowing about how that does not impact a salary cap in the future. 
I don't know that anybody's crowing that it doesn't impact the salary cap, John. I think it very much does impact the salary cap. I think what you're talking about is the way Howie Roseman seems to have structured it is is that the Eagles won't take a big cap hit early in the deal, that they still have some flexibility for the next year or two before the big numbers on Jalen's contract really kick in. Okay, so for three, four, five years, it's going to be real high then? Yeah, they backload it, right? Mm-hmm. And you backload it uh, kind of in hopes that the salary cap continues to go up so the pain will be less when it gets there. Do you uh, I infer, and if I'm wrong, you tell me, that you don't think this was a wise move by them? No, I think it was a great move. I'm glad we oh. still have them. But I just I was reading some articles that were like, oh, it's yeah. an amazing deal. The Eagles are out. Don't have to worry about the salary. Yeah, no, not, not pain, as Mike suggested, not painless, but kind of minimizes the pain and, and pushes it down the road where you think it'll be less. Can you get a quick Phillies uh, comment Yeah, here? sure. Go sure. ahead. So um, uh, I like the way Boom's playing at first. I think Edmundo at third. He's showing some offense. So once we get that Bryce back as DH, I would just leave him there the rest of the year. I would make it Mundo a regular third, you know. What do you guys think? I'm not sure they want to do that, but I know they're very high on Sosa, that they thought when they got him last year, I think we've said this before, Glenn, Dave Dombrowski didn't look at that as, oh, he's just a bench guy. They thought there was something untapped. It was similar to, to getting Brandon Marsh, that once they got him in their – organization and coached him up a little bit that he could really be a terrific player. And Sosa's been really good. I mean, he hit the cover off the ball in spring training. He had a couple yep. of RBIs. He had, a, you know, the game-winning RBI last night. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to leaving Alec Bohm at third base. It depends on uh, if – Bohm at first base. Or Bohm at first base, excuse yeah. me. It depends on whether Sosa can be an, an adequate defensive third baseman, I think. Uh, I think Sosa can be an adequate third baseman, although he had that stretch last week with three errors or whatever he did. I think he's a good defensive player. Manager loves him. You can tell that Rob Thompson really loves him. Um, I always remember something. We used to do the show, and Charlie Manuel did a weekly thing with us um, over at Ponzio's Diner in New Jersey, which remains some of the most fun shows I ever did because he would just come and tell stories for two hours, and it it was a blast. But one of the things I always remember Charlie saying, because guys like this would come up, guys like Sosa, or, you know, the Phillies would get somebody and he'd come in and for the first two weeks he'd hit 400 and you'd think, like, oh, my God, they got this guy. He's, right. he's going to be in the roster for the next eight years. And Charlie said there is a huge difference between guys who can play a couple times a week and guys who can play every day. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out which one they are. But the guys who can play every day – are rare and wondrous and valuable. Mm-hmm. Sosa is a guy who, as you said, exceeded what they, well, maybe exceeded what I thought he was going to do last year. You say Dombrowski had high hopes. Yeah, not just a fill-in guy, maybe a platoon guy, everyday guy. I I don't know yet. I, I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll I, see. I kind of like the Bryce Harper to first base thing because I think it's a long-term payoff. It, he's got to learn to play at first, though, right? Yeah, it's you that, know, I, I know. I it's know. that scene in Moneyball where uh... – you know, Brad Pitt as Billy Bean comes into um, Scott Hatterberg, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's it's not that hard to play first base. Tell him, Wash, and Ron Washington says, it's incredibly hard. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> By the way, didn't love that movie and thought that Moneyball, the book, was 80% a lie. Love the movie. No, really? Love the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like the anti-sports movie. It It gets quiet when you expect sports movies to get loud. Uh, it has a different kind of payoff and climax. Uh, I liked it for that. It, z- it zigged where every other sports movie zagged. As far as the book goes, Michael Lewis is an incredible writer. But, yeah, you know, 
when you have a pitching rotation with Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, and Barry Zito, that might have as much to do with your success as whatever you know numerical system you figured out how to exploit or something like right. that. Right, and you have a shortstop who was the MVP at the time. Yeah. And, and, and again, I read the book. I'm sure you read the book. Sure. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, but the, the basic Scott Hattieberg, who's the guy you mentioned, is like the biggest star in the book. And he's like this platoon first baseman. I, I And I agree with you. Michael Lewis is a good writer. I've read others of his book. This book I thought was – the blind side I thought was terrific. This book I thought was kind of a lot. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Speaking of sports movies, uh, and we're going to have Ray later, Ray and I used to do a sports movie night program Mm -hmm. where we would show highlights from the best clips from like eight or ten of the all-time best sports movies. And we are doing it again, actually, at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute, where we're going to show clips. We're going to share stories about the best sports movies. It is going to be, oh, i got to find the day. What is the day? I think it's May 16th. Is the day, yeah, there it is. May 16th, we are doing it, and you can get uh, tickets at their website, uh, the Bryn Mawr Film Institute website, uh, which is – I should have been more prepared for this moment, but I'm not. But if you go to the Bryn Mawr Film Institute uh, website, you can you can get their uh, thing. Cool. Can I pop uh, something real quick? Yeah, please. Uh, have an appearance uh, with another author, a friend of mine named John Vircher, who's written a book, uh, When the Lights Go Out. It's all about uh, MMA fighting and racism, and it's an incredible book. Uh, and he and I are going to be at 10-7 Brewing Company in North Wales, Oh, PA. been there, man. Yeah. Uh, Done shows there. Good on, place. Good yes, beer. On, I believe it is Thursday, May 7th at 7 o'clock. Maybe I'm... I need yeah, to do as you did right. and check that right. date. <laughs> Excuse me. Thursday, May 4th. We're radio professionals. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Thursday, yeah. May 4th. Thursday, May 4th, 4th at 7 o'clock. Uh, come on by. I'm going to talk about The Rise, my book about Kobe. John Virtue is going to talk about his book, When the Lights Go Out. 10-7 Brewing makes terrific beer. Uh, come on by. Admission is free as far as I know. All right, here's your question of the moment. Explain to me why it is called 10-7. Uh, it's a police reference. Right. It is a reference for policeman off-duty or police officer off-duty, and that place was started by some ex-cops, and that's what they called it, and it's a good place. They make so, good stuff. They do. 215-592-9494. We have enjoyed your calls today. We've gotten good calls today. We have. I like when we get good calls. Let's keep that going. We'll get those going. As we said, Ray Didinger is going to join us at noon. We'll talk all matters of Eagle from Matt Patricia. (laughs) Glenn, like I said earlier in the show. Is your response to the Patricia thing the same as mine, which is, what are we doing that for? Glenn, uh, like I said earlier in the show, they're bringing in a coach who has already helped them win a Super Bowl. How can you be (laughs) against this? Well, okay. So we'll talk about that, about Jalen Hurts, about the draft. Uh, coming up, we are going to uh, talk TV with what we're watching. And as I said, we absolutely want to get your calls at 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now, Saturday on 94 WIP. All right. What we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Receive 20% off all windows and doors with no money down. Up to three full years to pay it off interest-free. Call Guided Door and Window today, one eight seven seven go guida Visit them at go, G-U-I-D-A dot com. Now, neither you nor I started anything new this week. I was doing some traveling during mm-hmm. the week. You've been very busy covering the Sixers and other things. Uh, the last, I, I reviewed uh, The Night Agent last yes. week. It was, it was good. It wasn't great. It was good. Uh, the Air movie about the Nike deal with Jordan is terrific. Mm-hmm. Talked about that recently. And you and I rarely disagree, but it appears we currently disagree about a show. We do. 
I have been watching since, well, for the last couple of years now since it came out, Ted Lasso on Apple TV. And I am really enjoying this season, this third season. And I caught the latest episode this season, the sixth episode of I think there's going to be, of what I think is going to be 12 this season. And you and I had batted this around a little bit last week, you being down on this season. And I disagree. And this latest episode, I know you haven't seen it yet, so I don't want to provide any spoilers. I think I'm spoilers. five is what I'm through. With. Yeah, I don't want to provide any spoilers. But, Glenn, I am telling you, I think your attitude about this season of Ted Lasso will change. Now, having said that, I think, if I'm representing you correctly, your complaint has been too much about the side characters, not enough about Ted. Is that right? Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's generally that's the case. I just don't find it as rich as the last, as the first. I thought season one was one of the best shows uh, to come around TV in a long time. Part of it, it came out at exactly the right time when everybody was depressed, hunkered mm-hmm. down at home with the pandemic, and here comes this fun show. It was perfect for the moment. I thought season two was pretty good, not great, but good. This year, listen, I've, I I think that, first of all, the episodes have just kind of ballooned. They're now like 45 minutes long. I don't care. I'm going to mention names of characters. And if you don't watch the show, this isn't going to mean anything, so I apologize. I didn't care about Zava, the greatest mm-hmm. player in the world. <laughs> uh, it's too much Keely and her PR firm with that awful character, yeah. uh, Shandy, I guess his name, and and Ted's wife hooking up with the marriage counselor and Keely hooking up with Jack. And it, it became a damn soap opera. And Sam and, and about the restaurant and Colin maybe being outed. And, you know, part of my biggest problem is, you know, who's no longer the central major character in this whole story? Ted. Mm. It's about everybody other than Ted and all these peripheral characters, some of whom are really annoying, and these soap opera sideline things. And I think this show lost its base, which was this fish-out-of-water uh, Midwestern American coach in uh, running this Premier League team. And so I think, I think shows jump the shark, and I hope that, season, that episode six pulls me back. But Ted Lasso has fallen. So I think episode six will pull you back again with not without giving anything away. It's it's an ensemble episode. It's gonna be it's gonna deal with all those characters, not all of them. I will tell you that that Keely, your favorite, is not really involved in this episode. Well that's that's a good start. Yeah. Um there are what one of the things that kind of really tickled me about this latest one, and this is something that this show does very well, is that there are pop cultural hat tips Throughout the show and throughout this particular episode, there's a very overt one to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. There's one to Pulp Fiction, which if you are familiar with that movie, you will get this reference immediately. And those sort of things, those Easter eggs, I really like. And this episode, I think, gets the show back to that kind of optimistic soulfulness that you and I love about it so much. hope so, because I I think... People like it just – people say they like it because they've liked it, and so you're just kind of used to it, and you have to like it. But sometimes things really decline, and I think Ted Lasso has really declined. Okay. Uh, outstayed the welcome. They're, actually, one of the themes this year is that Ted outstayed his welcome. Yes. And I think – Metaphor alert. There you go. <laughs> All right. I will tell you, and, and it, our producer Dan Wilson's actually watching this, and we'll get him to check in. By the way, 215-592-9494. Um, 
You don't watch Succession, I and I no. don't usually review something which is in its fourth season, although we just did Ted Lasso in its third. Succession is in its final season. It's about halfway done through the end year, and um, it's one of those shows, Mike, that I implore you, during your lifetime, mm-hmm. you have to watch. Okay. This is, and so, you know, sometimes we, we review stuff that's like, uh, I don't, how do I want to say? I guess it's prestige TV. Mm-hmm. Is what you know. Yeah. This is this is Sopranos. This is The Wire. This is Breaking Bad. This is Ozark. Mm-hmm. This is a show that is up there with those greatest dramas of all time. The character of Logan Roy, created by Brian, Brian Cox, Cox, is yes. one of the greatest TV characters of all time. And for people who do watch the show, episode three this season, which was two weeks ago. Uh, I think will go down as one of the all when they when they do every every couple of years the greatest episodes in the history of TV. Season four, episode three of Succession will be among those. And I implore you, when you have time with your wife, mm-hmm. w- binge this thing because it's one of the great shows. Yeah, ever. and it is. And unlike Ted Lasso, I would tell you that Succession is going out in style. Okay, so this is my. Uh failure, I guess, when it comes to prestige TV is that if I don't jump on something right away, and I didn't with Succession, it takes me a while to get to it because I feel like there are other things I've got to get to. You know, yeah, we, I get we, it. You know, we've talked about I, this before. I, I, I haven't seen The Sopranos, which is oh a God. huge hole in my pop culture you? knowledge. I know, and I pride myself on this. Um, Brian Cox, I was that way. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was that way with Game of Thrones, which Started to watch, and my wife, after two episodes, went like, eh, I'm out. And mm-hmm. so I stopped watching it, and then I realized, you know, into season three, season four, like, I got to watch this. And I did, and by the way, with her, and watched one episode a night for an entire summer to catch up, and am thrilled that I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Game I mean, of Thrones is one of those top ten shows. Well, well, Succession has, as you mentioned, Brian Cox, who is an incredible actor who has been in memorable parts in movies. Speaking of The Rookie, which came up earlier. Yeah, exactly. He was in uh, Manhunter, which was Mm -hmm. kind of, he was Hannibal Lecter before Anthony Hopkins was. He was in uh, Adaptation, which was that Nicolas Cage movie that came out years ago. He was terrific in that. He was in Zodiac, which is a top 10 all-time movie for me. Um, So I will do my absolute best to get Succession on my list and and to sit down and start it because it's rare to hear you talk about a show in such Love glowing it. terms. I mean, just one of the one of the best shows ever. Uh, Dan Wilson, you got a recommendation? Yeah, so this is a show I've actually been watching for a little while now. I don't know if you got either of you guys have seen the show Ballers on HBO. It stars Dwayne Johnson, I've uh, The Rock. I've heard of it, heard yeah, of it yeah. yeah. so the premise of it is he's a retired NFL player. I mean, it's somewhat based on his real life. Like, he didn't, you know, he was a college football player at yeah. the U. That's in the show. Retired NFL player becomes financial manager and kind of becomes like this role model leader for some guys who are currently in the league, many of which grew up in not stable financial or emotional backgrounds, and now they have a ton of money and they don't know what to do with it, and they have friends coming after them. So it kind of like really shows a little bit of a glimpse into what players who make the NFL and have their lives completely flip upside down deal with and how there are people who want every little bit of them, whether it's advertisers, the league, how cutthroat the industry can be. So I actually really like it. Nice. All right. Good recommendation. Appreciate That's good. That. Yeah. I, I don't have HBO, so I've I've got to, you know. you got to get a friend's login, as I did. Like yeah, yeah I'll, exactly. I'll text it to you. All right. Thanks, Dan. 
You don't have HBO. I don't. Don't have HBO. We have we have several streaming services. We have Netflix. We have Amazon Prime. We have Hulu. We have yeah. Apple TV. We don't have HBO or Showtime. So my strategy with that is once a year, sign up for HBO for a month or two and catch up with all the shows and mm-hmm. then unsubscribe, which is kind of what I try to do with – that's always my strategy with things. It's like, oh, Showtime has this show, and I wanted to see the other ones, so I'll subscribe to that. And then – like six months later, my wife says, hey, did you ever unsubscribe? It's like, no, we're still paying that. Darn. But, yes, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a strategy yeah. I practice in theory. Yeah, you're taking out loans to pay off all your streaming oh, services. Unbelievable. Uh, let's talk to Mitch. Wants to talk some Sixers. What's on your mind, Mitch? I don't know. Well, more importantly, you know me with TV. Hey, guys. Hi, hey. Mitch. I'm on a series right now. You probably see it. Um, Narcos. Yeah, I know Narcos. I watched the first two seasons. It was very good. Yeah, I'm watching that. I'm hooked on that. Yes. But I, these other ones, I still, you know, I go home at night. Time I get home and eat, it's nine thirty, ten o'clock. I just fall asleep on the couch. But I'm hooked on Narcos. Okay. You lead, sounds like you lead an exciting life there, Mitch. Really? <laughs> I'm working seven days a week at the uh, you are working. I, know, hey, I know, I know. Let me tell you something. Mitch is very admirable. He, Mitch is the owner of third generation hardware fourth, store. Fourth, yeah, yeah. Fourth generation hardware store. Conan Brothers, Conan Family. Cohen and Co., yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, down uh, South Street, it, right? Yeah, and oh, I, Street, I, yeah. I love that he is an independent hardware store owner keeping it going. Oh, it's that's, yeah, anyway. That's let's talk quick yes. Sixers. Six, you know, I really feel I really feel right about this one. We're going to go deep. I really feel, you know, why? I just do. I just have a feeling it's going to it's going to. It's that, uh, this it's that is, this is based on gut, not on any yeah, on gut, evidential of yes. information. Okay. Yeah, I just so, feel right, you're a fan. You can. I, you know, I, and I, I had breakfast ahead. the other day with somebody, and they're like, I have Phillies tickets. I don't know if I want to go. I said, they're going to be horrible. What do you mean? The season just started. I said, come on. It's yeah, it's a little – and, th- and Mitch, be well. It's it's a little too early to write off the Phillies. Yeah. It has been disappointing. Um, yeah, even even last night, you know, Aaron Nola goes seven innings and doesn't allow a hit after the second inning, but his fastball velocity is down – he just doesn't seem yeah, quite three, three right. Three strikeouts, right? Three strikeouts and three mm. walks. Mm. Uh, there's just something off. It doesn't feel great yet. And maybe getting Harper back will. That's it, juice right? Him that's up. what we it's keep waiting for. Yeah, right? that's got to be it. Yeah. All right. We'll sneak in John here before the break. John, what's on your mind? Hey guys, what's going on? Hi, John. Um, the Wire is the best television series ever made. Top um, five for me. It's up. It's up there. The Wire I have seen and I love. Breaking Bad's my number one. Same. Anyway, I watched um, Netflix. I got this first season, Beef. This series called Beef, which is pretty good. I, I've heard good things about that. This is about a, this is kind of a comedy drama about a road road rage incident that kind of spirals uh, between yeah, the people involved in it. It's worth it. You, you're going to enjoy that if Thanks. you like. Like, yeah. And then um, the Sixers. Uh, you know, you hope for the best, but after we get bounced in the second round, and Embiid's still somewhat healthy. Some players have great regular seasons. They just can't produce in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's time to trade them while he's somewhat Ooh. healthy. Wow. I... get a lot of players for him. Okay. I don't know. And, John, thanks. Good call. I don't know. Trades in the NBA, don't, uh, they just don't come together. Like, and I'm not dismissing John because I appreciate his point. Mm-hmm. But they don't come together the way they do in, in fantasy sports. You know? No, they don't. It's look the at contracts and the years and everything. It's, it's not hard to match. No, and, and look at. How often does want both te- do both teams end up better for the trade? Like, look what happened with the Phoenix Suns and the Brooklyn Nets, right? The Kevin Durant move. The Suns are yeah. winning their playoff series, but they have no bench at all. 
like they're five guys and that's it. So if any of their starters suffers an injury, they're going to be in deep trouble and the Nets aren't nearly as good. I mean, they're, they're probably going to get swept by the Sixers here. Um, you know, Mikhail Bridges is a budding superstar, but that's really all they he's have. He's by himself. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's by himself. Um, the thing about trading Embiid is if, if if we assume Embiid is one of the three, five best players in the NBA, which I think is difficult to argue, you have to find another team that wants to get rid of one of its best three, five players in the NBA. Yes. Yeah. I don't anticipate it. I don't anticipate it either. And I'll be honest, Glenn. I would like Joel Embiid to stay in Philadelphia his entire career. I think that's something that is missing from sports more and more, is the idea of one athlete spending his entire career in one city with one franchise, even if he or she does not win a championship. Tony yeah. Gwynn is a Padre. Mike Schmidt is a Philly. Um, you know, I know it's, they— it, it, Cal it, Ripken, and it's mostly baseball that you go yeah, to. It's, it's but, rarely, rarely basketball. I well, this is an interesting question, okay? Because we're you just Kobe Bryant's out. a Laker, you know something. But like he that. won championships. Yeah, who is the best player? We'll throw this out there, and, and as always, call about something else too. Don't just call to answer the thing. Who is the best player to play his entire career with one franchise and not win a championship? Because Gwyn is one. He never mm-hmm. won a championship. And I'm we're doing this off the top of our head, but I can't come up with another. Carl Yastrzemski. Uh, yeah, the Red Sox did not win when he was there. But Ted now, Williams. I mean, you're going way. All right, stop giving them all away. <laughs> but you, and and again, you're going further and further back in time, and they're all baseball. Yeah. Let's go basketball. Let's go football. Let's go hockey. Let's go. You know, 21st century. Yeah. I'm curious. No, it's a good. Help one. us out. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now on ninety four WIP. Hey, are you tired of dealing with those old inefficient windows in your house? Maybe it's time to go Gaida. How about that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door that you painted over more times than you can count? Well, go Gaida. If you need added protection from the elements, new storm door, go Gaida. What about that sliding patio door or the garage door that you're meaning to replace? Go Gaida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Gaida with the great people at Gaida Door and Window. To help get your project started, Gaida is offering 20% off all windows and doors allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay it off interest-free. That's right. You receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply, offers for a limited time. So what are you waiting for? It's time you finally go Guida. Call today, schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Well, we all know. God, I, you know what? I I should have that as a as a phone tone for God's sake, a ringtone. <laughs> Your ringtone. Yeah, uh, we we all know what that was. That was the heroics of Bryce Harper. Nice, great call by uh, Scott Fransky, Larry Anderson, and that's kind of where we left it before the uh, Tommy John surgery. And uh, we are joined, as always, at this time by our friends from Doctor from uh, Cooper Bone Joint. Doctor David Gelt is with us today, Doc. Thank you so much, and I know we've talked to you about Bryce Harper and Tommy John before, but we have to bring it up again because it really appears that he may be on pace for the quickest recovery ever from Tommy John and may be back playing baseball uh, when the Phillies come back from the West Coast, which would be 163 days after he had it. No minor league rehab. Is it just... Some people have wonder bodies. What What is this about, Doc? Is yeah, that the medical term, by the way? 
<laughs> exactly. It's yeah, it'd be pretty amazing if he if he does come back. Um, I know there was a uh, article came out uh, back in 2018. There's a study about you know um, Tommy John surgeries from so many years past and how long it took baseball players to come back. Majority of the time, you think about pitchers, and that takes a lot longer. It's a year to year and a half. You know, infielders or outfielders, when they're not using their arm as much for throwing, you can obviously speed up the process. I think uh, Tommy Womack, I think, was the as the record he was. so far. Yeah, second baseman. Tony Womack, second baseman for the. I know he was. With, I don't know if he was the Pirates at the time, but right. 182 days was the quickest yeah. anybody ever came back, and Bryce Harper would be, you know, two and a half weeks quicker than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if he does come back, I mean, I know we was talking about first base. It definitely would start with just DHing, just because again he was able to play with without an UCL or a torn UCL for the whole season last year. That much an issue, and with batting, it's a lot different. You're not using that that arm for throwing, so um, that's something that you could definitely consider. The main thing I would be concerned about, especially being so aggressive on the base pads, is if he slides head first, he puts his arm out and lands on the arcily. Is he going to injure that area? Um, and then, you know, if he's just going to play first base, you're not going to be throwing as much. But you still have to be concerned about that. So I still think they're going to take it slowly, see how he does. I guess they're going to use Major League uh, as his uh, warm-up instead of going to minor leagues and see if he can get some, some batting there. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Dr. Glenn, you know, joked about Harper having a wonder body. But I do have to ask, is is it that he's healing faster? Is it simply he's willing to assume more risk by DHing and coming back early? Like, what do you think is happening here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably a combination. There are definitely people that, uh, I mean, uh, talked about Adrian Peterson in the past with ACL and came back so much earlier than everybody else and did well. Some people, you know, if they pass through all the tests and they're doing well and the graph looks like it's healed and it's stable, then sometimes you can move forward with it. Um, you still have to be careful because you still have to let your body heal it naturally and uh, it takes time for your body to, uh, you know, the, the graft to uh, adhere to the bone and, you know, make sure there's no inflammation there and nothing that is going to aggravate further. So there's something yeah, my you last... still have to go ahead. Sorry. Well, my last question on it, because they've talked about this, and it's not something that I would have put at the top of the list otherwise, is one of the big concerns is sliding. Uh, what other mm-hmm. concerns would you have? What do you have to watch for once he starts playing again? Yeah, sliding is definitely an issue. Uh, throwing is the big thing, especially if he's again, if he's playing first base, he's not throwing too much other than to first base or excuse me, to the back to the pitcher. Um, you know, if he tries to uh, get a ball that's not thrown to him very well, and, he's, and he lies out and he lands on his elbow, that's another concern you have to be uh, concerned about. Uh, the other issue is just real throwing hard. Uh, you know, if he's going to throw to home or go back to first, you know, second base, and then. Um, you know, that's the issue you're going to have to really be concerned about. I'd be hesitant about having him go back to right field, obviously. I don't want him to throw the home from there. That would be cause an issue. But um, we'll see how it goes. Do, do you anticipate him going back to right field in the next couple of years? Uh, I mean, if he comes back with this, he's going to DH, as you said. He might play first base. Are we yeah. looking at the possibility that he doesn't play right field again? Uh, I mean, if he's doing well and he's he's improving and comes next year, he has more time to, to help recover and recuperate. You know, once he heals, he's doing pretty well. I mean, we see a lot of ton of pitchers that come back after Tommy John are doing really well. So, I don't think it'd be a problem for him to go back there if he's especially if that's his main position. You know, who knows if he ends up becoming a great first baseman, he could stay there and then actually prolong his career maybe a little bit. But we'll see. 
Dr. David Gelt, you're the best, man. We appreciate it as um, always. So I did look. I know you guys were talking about birthdays, so I never looked up my birthday to see who famous uh, was with me. So. You never did? Uh, I never did, no. You're For less vain I than I am, clearly. <laughs> So uh, I'm with uh, Stevie Wonder and uh, Dennis Rodman or two of the uh, not bad, not yeah. bad. You know, so, so doctor, I looked up mine during one of the breaks. I was looking for a, a spot to to mention this to Glenn. So I share mine with Chris Evans, the actor, mm-hmm. yeah. um, William Butler Yates, the poet, mm. Tim Allen, and the Olsen okay. twins. Those are my big four. Yeah, I win. I'm the winner. I got Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I, 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 I got Shakespeare. Yeah, Tony has got a, I'll he's take got a beat. Yeah, he's got all uh, time. Doc, always a pleasure. Have a great week. All right, guys. Thank you, Doctor. Have a good one. Uh, thank you Bye-bye. very much. Yeah, I, I think it does speak to my vanity that I've, but I looked it up when I was 10. So, you know. My so. birthday's better than yours is. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go to Artie and Ben Salem. Artie, what are you thinking these days? Well, I was, my thoughts were about, you were just talking about the Phillies and Harper and moving on from Hoskins. Um, I know he's out for the season, so and he's a free agent. If he comes back, I'm not big on re-signing him. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I would think he would want to test the market, assuming he is healthy uh, and healed from missing an entire season. If, there, if, it's, if it's possible that they can get him because he's been injured at a slightly lesser price and he's open to that, I would be open to bringing him back. He's a very productive hitter. I know people think he's you know, too inconsistent and can't play defense and all of that, and that's fine, and that's true, but... He can carry it for a week or two and has, and they're missing him right now. Uh, well, that's true. They can't say they're not missing him. But um, do you think if he – do you think he would be – how can I put it? Do you think the Phillies would match a, a contract from – I know he's not going to get yeah, a big no, not, not necessarily, and, and, and thanks. And a lot of this depends, right? If – if yeah. Harper moves to first and plays really well, and they decide he's the future at first, well, do they want to sign Hoskins as a DH? Again, you got Swarber and Castellanos. You'd love to move one of those guys to DH eventually. So you got kind of a glut of guys who play first base or DH. So in that respect, I don't think they'd want to commit five years and all the money it would probably take. Hey, coming up, by the way, we will take your calls, 215-592-9494. But top of the hour, we got our weekly visit from Ray Dinger. By the way, not weekly visit forever. I want to make sure everybody knows Ray is retired, but Ray has agreed to come up every week leading into the draft. So we'll talk the draft and other Eagle developments with Ray. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. That was Jalen Hurts in the NFC Divisional Round, scoring a touchdown against the New York Giants in that romp as the Eagles were on their way to the Super Bowl. And he, Jalen Hurts, was on his way to a five-year extension that worth up to $255 million. And to discuss that and all things Eagles is our old friend, Mr. Ray Dittinger. Hi, Ray. How are you? Hello, Mike. How are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Uh, Glenn, anything to say to your old partner here before we uh, start the Inquisition? Well, it is always a pleasure, and uh, you know what? I'll start with the plug, because Ray and I are going to be getting together uh, next month for something that is really fun. May 16th, we're going to do a sports movie night at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute. Ray and I used to do these programs where we'd show highlights of some of the best uh, sports movies ever, and we're doing it there. For tickets, you can go to BrynMawrFilm.org org slash event brinmarfilm.org. Ray, have you figured out the movies we're going to show yet? We have. 
We have, and I think we're I think we're doing. Um, well, you're going to be away, but I think that um, that I'm going to meet with the Bryn Mawr folks uh, this yes. this week and have like sort of a just a dry a dry run to make sure we're all set. But yeah, we've got uh, we've got eight eight uh, eight movies that uh, that we're going to be lifting some classic scenes from. And I I know this was a great we've had great fun doing this in the past, and I'm hoping people come out uh, and do it again because it it really is a lot of fun. So Ray, is there any truth to the rumor that that Bryn Mawr is paying you? Two hundred fifty-five million dollars to do this event. <laughs> no, uh, no, <laughs> no, not even close. All right, so but let, so let's talk about. Let's start here with the Hertz contract because it was really the big news of the week, and though several days have passed, uh, I think it's still worth kicking around a little bit. This was, I think, considered inevitable. I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction to the dollar figure and the timing of it? Uh, because I think, from the Eagles' perspective, they wanted to get this deal done quickly so that the Bengals re-signing Joe Burrow or the Chargers re-signing Justin Herbert didn't set the market for them to be Hurts. Correct. Ex- exactly right, Mike. I mean, that's um, that's exactly the way it was. Uh, that's ex- exactly the way it went down, and I, I think smartly. I think that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know all the fine print on it, but I know some, and uh, it looks to me. It really looks to me, even though the numbers are staggering, I mean, you're talking about a quarter of a billion dollars yeah. here. I mean, the numbers are staggering. Um, it, it looks to me to be a deal that's good for both the team and the player. Uh, I think I think Howie Roseman did a really nice job with this. And, you know, when you make this kind of commitment uh, to a player, you're obviously um, – you're putting a lot of chips on his shoulders, uh, no question. And they did it before with Carson Wentz, and it came back and bit him. Uh, but I think that they feel, um, I think they feel very comfortable about Jalen Hurts, the player that he is, and the person that he is, and the competitor that he is. Um, that he'll be able to handle this, and uh, you know, and live up to that contract. And I, you know, I have no reason to doubt that. I mean, based on what we saw last year. Uh, I mean, he clearly is the leader of this team. Uh, he's clearly established himself as one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, and if he's lucky enough to maintain his health over that period of time, um, I think that uh, he will take them back to a Super Bowl. I really do believe that. Love hearing that, Ray. Love hearing that, Ray. Um, if he does it this next year, apparently not on his side of the ball, but one of the coaches added to the staff is Matt Patricia. And it was a really odd situation this year, this week, excuse me, where somebody discovered that Patricia's name and bio had been added to the Eagles media guide, their website, and then it was brought to their attention. They took it off and said, well, we're not quite ready to announce it. And then it was announced, and it was was a very odd thing. Um, First of all, I I guess I want your general assessment of Matt Patricia and what he might bring, and then maybe – discuss some well let's do that first and then we'll discuss the specifics of the relationships well he was regarded um when he was when he was belichick's defensive coordinator when he was working his way up the ranks in new england and ultimately became the defensive coordinator of belichick he was well regarded around the league he was um and he was a, a guy that people around the league identified as you know someday this guy's going to be a head coach I mean, it was just it, it just was kind of accepted, and you know it happened, uh, and it turned out to be a disaster. You know, I mean, it, it turned out to be a disaster in Detroit. Um, you know, the team the, the team actually went 
team actually went backwards. When you're talking about the Lions, I mean, that's not a good thing to say. Uh, but they actually went backwards, and he, he certainly did not make any friends within the organization, did not make many friends in, among the players, uh, and then was let go unceremoniously, uh, and then returns to – gets brought back. Belichick brings him back to New England in sort of an advisory-slash-consultant kind of role. Um, where last year he worked on the offensive side of the ball, and that didn't go very well. Ma- major, so, major Juan Castillo vibes there. Ray. Exa- exactly hmm. right. Exactly right. So, so look, was I surprised when I heard the news about him joining the Eagles? Staff? Initially, yeah, I was. I, I really was. But um, and I know the reaction from what I've heard in the city and from online and from people at the emails I've gotten is, "What are the Eagles doing? <laughs> Why would they hire Matt Patricia?" I think what you have to do is you kind of have to turn the clock back a little bit uh, and. Look at the role that he's coming here uh, to 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 play. Um, you know, I think that I think that based on what I've heard about what happened to him in Detroit, uh, it sort of paints a portrait of a guy, and he's not unique in this respect. I mean, I've seen a lot of them around the NFL that are really good assistant coaches and good coordinators, and they just aren't head coaches. I mean, that's true. I mean, that, that, those guys exist. We've seen them. You know, guys are really good in one role. But you ask them to take on the bigger responsibility, and it just you know they just can't handle it. And I think that's probably that's probably the case with Patricia. And then he goes back to New England, and Mike, you said it. I mean, they, they do the Juan Castillo with him, where they you know, say, well, you know, get us go over, you can help coach the offense. Well, no, <laughs> he's a defensive coach. I mean, I don't know what Belichick was thinking, uh, but you saw that went very badly to the point where Mac Jones, the the young quarterback, you know, regressed significantly, mm-hmm. noticeably last year. So now, okay, now you bring Matt Patricia here, and you put him back in a role that, frankly, he's he's best suited for, and frankly, he's had a lot of success with, which is being a, a you know a guy who's going to coach on the defensive side, and um, you know I think when you look at that and you look at how he was regarded as a defensive coordinator in his time at New England, you know I can see this being. One of the you know, they've lost their defense coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. They wanted to bring in another experienced hand to help on the defensive side. And you got to look at Mac. If you just look at those credentials, Matt Patricia's are pretty good. Yeah, the last thing I want to say in this regard is it will be interesting to see how the relationship works with Darius Slay because Darius Slay, when he came from, from Detroit, went way out of his way to talk about how poorly he got along with Matt Patricia. Yeah, volunteered it. I mean, had, yeah. had, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like somebody asked him about it. I mean, he he volunteered uh, he volunteered that, and and clearly, you know, um, Nick Sirianni was asked about that the other day when they had the press conference. It was one of the first questions that came up was, you know, well, you're one of your one of your cornerbacks, a guy that you just brought back here, a guy that just agreed to come back here, has a history, has an unhappy history with Matt Patricia. What, you know, where, where does that stand? He said, oh, no, they've talked, they've worked it all out. Well, I mean, that's what he's going to say at the moment. You know, we'll see how, we'll see how it works out once everybody gets together and they get back on the field. Uh, but, you know, just from, from Patricia's own, his own coaching credentials, uh, I mean, they're they're significant, and he was he's a good defensive coach, and I think he's back doing what he was meant to do. It's going to be a good test for Sean Desai, the Eagles' new defensive coordinator. We are obviously speaking with the great Ray Dittinger. Ray, let's move on to next week's draft. There has been a lot of debate on this station about whether, assuming the Eagles still have the 10th pick and they don't trade down or trade up, I don't think they're trading up, but assuming they would trade down, uh, Taking a running back, specifically Bijan Robinson, your uh, fondness, I guess, for the running game is well known, and <laughs> I, I would I would point out too that last season the running game 
on the whole in the NFL really came back to the forefront, and I think it's fair to ask whether a pendulum is kind of swinging back toward teams running the ball more because they're kind of exploiting the fact that teams have been building their defenses around stopping the pass. So having said all of that, let's assume for the sake of argument that Ray Dittinger is the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, and he doesn't want to trade the 10th pick. He wants to take a player at number 10. A, are you taking B. John Robinson? And B, if you're not, who are you taking? Well, uh, everything you said is true, Mike. Uh, and um, uh, and, the, and you've heard it. Glenn's heard it. I've certainly heard it. I mean, the conversation is all over the city about uh, B. John Robinson. Um, because th- this we know, uh, this we know, um, is he will be there at 10. I, I would be I would be beyond shocked if somebody took him in the first nine. That's just not happening. So when the Eagles' turn comes at ten, um, he's going to be sitting there, and then you have to make an organizational decision. As I was saying to you guys last week, I think this is a discussion. This really is a discussion they should have in, 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 internally, and they should have it early in the day when they have time to really thrash it out. And how we should ask all of his scouts. Listen, fellas, let's let's talk right now. And I'm talking like 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, way before the draft. Let's let's discuss Bijan Robinson right now. Let's not wait till we're on the clock. Let's talk about it right now. You know, you know how I feel about drafting running backs high. You know how Jeff feels about running backs drafting running backs high. Um, but if any of you guys in here want to make the case for Bijan Robinson, let's make it now and see if you can change my mind. You know, see if you can convince us that this is what we need to do, because you can make that case. Normally. <laughs> I think we're teams I, – I, I always think that it's, it's, it's a mistake for anybody to say that this is an absolute rule and it applies across the entire league, all 32 teams. They're, they're all the same. No, they're not. Every situation is different. And sometimes drafting a running back, a really good running back high, it can, it, it's not necessarily a bad idea unless you're bringing him into a bad situation. An example, a perfect example is what the Giants did with Saquon Barkley. You know, Saquon Barkley is coming out of Penn State, a really good running back. I mean, one of the best running backs we've seen in a long time. But he, was, he should not have been the second back for the Giants because the Giants were a bad team. You know, and you bring even a really good running back, a really good running back, which he is, and you put him on a bad team, he's not going to be the difference maker. He's really not. Um, that's, where, that, that's where people get tripped up with this. Now you don't take running backs high. Well, you know, if, if you're a bad team, probably true. But if you're a really good team, uh, and a team whose offense is significantly built around running the football, why is taking the best running back a bad idea? Um, so this is something, I mean, this is something they have to talk out. Uh, and there are a lot of people I've talked to uh, in the last couple of weeks that actually think it makes a lot of sense for the Eagles. They're not just saying, oh, no, that's just the fans talk. And, yeah, they always go for the glamour guy. They want the splash guy. I get, Yeah, but that, that's what fans think. You know, we football guys, we're smarter than that. Listen, I've talked to some football guys in the last couple of weeks that said if I was the Eagles at 10, I would take him, and they mean that seriously. So, it, I mean, it's in play. Now, do I think the Eagles will do it? I don't. I don't think the Eagles would do it at 10. I, I really do think that this is something that, that, that philosophically they just don't do, is draft running backs that high. If they trade down by chance, which I still think is a possibility, some team drops, drafts up to 10, to let's say draft one of the one of the quarterbacks that may be left, and the Eagles drop back to 18, 19, 20, and now you get down to that pick. You've made your big score at 10. You've picked up the future draft picks for this year and next year. You've got a big haul there. Fine. Now you get down 18, 19, 20, and Bijan Robinson is still on the board. 
you know, then I think then I think that 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 could possibly be in play. But the idea of drafting him is by no means outlandish. Ray is a member in good standing of Team Bijan. I love everything you just said. Uh, <laughs> although I will tell you, I'm I'm I have the privilege of hosting WIP's draft show this coming Thursday at six, and when that pick comes at ten, and they trade down everybody there, and we get hundreds of people who come to the draft party. They're they're just all going to be apoplectic until that moment comes. No at question. 16, 18, you, whatever. No question. But you know the one the one thing that does worry me. And look, if you watch the tape on him, he's. I mean, he is. I mean, he is good. I mean, he is good, and he is exciting. He is electrifying. Uh, and in the way the Eagles run this offense, uh, with, all the out, with all the outside zone stuff that they run, this guy is perfect for that. Yeah. I mean, he's your, he's your perfect quick cut, once, you know, one cut up the field runner uh, with great vision. I mean, he would be a perfect fit running out of the same backfield with, uh, with Jalen Hurts uh, and running wheel routes behind Brown and Smith. I mean, he would be a dynamic force. There's no, que- there's no question about that. The one thing, the one thing that worries me, the one thing that worries me is his workload. Um, he had 600 touches in college. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. Yes. That's a, that is a lot. Now, he hasn't had a history of injury. He hasn't had surgeries or knee injuries or any of that kind of stuff. He's, he, he made it through Texas fine in one piece. But 600 touches is a lot. And, you know, that, that to me is a little worrisome. But the talent, when you, all you have to do is just watch, I mean, 10 minutes of tape, and you know that this guy, he, wherever he goes in the NFL, he's going he's gonna to make an, an immediate impact on offense. Love that. Uh, last one for me, they did the obligatory pre-draft newser this week, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. And, you know, I think the whole point of this is to try to say nothing. Uh, they did say – with that, we rarely have the opportunity. We hope we rarely have the opportunity to draft as high as ten. So we will be looking for unique talent. Do you take anything out of that, or is that just as I said, how he's saying kind of what he has to say? Yeah, I, I kind of thought that. I, 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 I kind of thought that. I just kind of thought that it was, it. You know, he. I mean, he. He was just sort of saying. He was sort of saying, you know, GM speak uh, there. Yeah, everybody's looking for unique talent, uh, but. There would, it would really be a major departure for them at ten uh, to take a running back. It, it really would. I mean, that would be. I mean, I, I don't expect it. I really don't. Uh, I know the fans would love to see it happen. I don't. You could make a case for it being a good decision, but I don't. I don't see that. If I were them, and Mike asked, you know, going back a moment ago to when Mike said, if I were the GM and I were sitting there taking the pick at ten, what would I do? Um, I, I still believe I think it's more likely than not that they're going to trade back. But if I were to take the pick, I would be. I might take Skaronsky. I still might. I really yeah, might. Um, because I mean, Peter Skaronsky, the offensive tackle slash guard from Northwestern, um, is really. I think he's a really good player, uh, and I think he's a guy that's going to come into the NFL and play. 12, 15, have a Lane Johnson kind of career, have a Zach Martin kind of career. And you could bring him here and you could put him right at right guard in place of say Amalu. And your offensive line, which really is kind of the strength of your team, would be even better than it was a year ago. Uh, so you'd be adding to your offense, you'd be adding to your running game without taking the risk, uh, the short-term risk of drafting a running back. That's what I would do, because I think Skaronsky, in my mind at least, when you're talking about can't miss guys in this draft, I mean, absolutely rock-solid, safe, you, you, you pick this guy, you can't be wrong. There's a very short list of those guys, and I would put Skaronsky on that. 
I, I'm with you 100%, Ray. Although it would require the Bears at nine passing on him, and the idea of the Bears not drafting an offensive tackle from Northwestern named Peter Skaronsky <laughs> seems just too much for me to, to get past. I agree with you, and I think that's what's going to happen, Mike. I, I think when I look at the board, and I've played this thing out a hundred times now in the last two weeks, that's what I always come up with. When I play it down and I, I, I'm, I'm moving quarterbacks around and I'm moving this guy team up and this team back, uh, w- the way it always works out for me is at nine, I'm, I'm the Bears and I'm taking Skaronsky. <laughs> I mean, that's, I've come to the same conclusion. But if it doesn't work out that way and I'm the Eagles at ten, uh, and he's still on the board. He would be my pick. He would be mine, too, so I'm as smart as the brilliant Ray Dittinger. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for coming on with us. We, uh, we appreciate it, as always. Good to hear your voice again. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. Take care. Ray, I'll see, you, uh, I'll see you May 16th, Sports Movie Night, Bryn Mawr Theater, uh, Bryn Mawr Film Institute. Excuse me for tickets. Right. Go to brynmarfilm.org. Yep, see Sports then, Movies Night. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I am looking forward to that. See you then, Glenn. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ray. Thank you so much. Uh, there we go. Uh, he, he, I think he would take B. John Robinson, Glenn. I think he would if he were the general manager of the Eagles. Well, you said it the first question you asked him, which is or the, you, how you preface it. Like, Ray, you're a guy who likes when they run the football. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the league, as I said, is trending in that way. Uh, it started last season, and it was so much of the Eagles' success was predicated on that, whether you're talking about – using Jalen Hurts, whether you're talking about the stable of running backs they had, uh, that's where the league is headed because so many defenses have been built to stop the pass that teams can run the ball effectively now. Defensive linemen are a little bit smaller. Linebackers aren't on the field as much. Uh, and you saw how that helped the Eagles last season, and I think you're going to see more of it. And So here's how the situation works out ideally, okay? Mm-hmm. It's the first round of the draft. Pick 10 is coming up. The Detroit Lions, who have two picks in the first round, decide somehow they need – well, all their wide receivers have now been suspended, right? <laughs> For betting, right. Which, by the way, is ridiculous. So we'll, we can get into that yeah. if you want. But um, they need to – there's one more great wide receiver at number 10. Can't tell you who it is. They trade up. Eagles trade down to 18. Eagles get their second-round pick. They're – Whatever you want to say, the first round pick next year, you get something from Detroit, and at pick eighteen, that's where you take Bijan Robinson. Wouldn't that make everybody happy? It, it might. Even uh, the anti-running back guys like you, probably. Yeah, I would be okay with Robinson at eighteen. I think. Uh, I think the X factor here that we haven't talked about too is is Jeff Stoutland. In that, you can take a lineman later in the draft, and by later I mean second, third round, and be reasonably confident that once he gets in-house and Statlin gets to work with him, that Statlin's going to wring every drop of excellence out of that guy. Hey, you know, where'd they developing. draft Jason Kelsey? Fifth round, sixth round. Where'd they draft Jordan Milata? Sixth or seventh. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he can do this. He can do it. He can work his magic. Pride of Staten Island. <laughs> Scott, Jacob, hang in there. When we come back, we will go to you. We will continue this discussion about the Eagles draft, about the Sixers, about the Phillies. We are, of course, at 215. 592-9494. We are, of course, Glenn Macnow and Mike Sealski on WIP. Mike Sealski with Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Glenn, we have a tiny bit of kind of sort of breaking news here. 
Doc Rivers spoke before game four of the Sixers-Nets series, which is coming up in about a half hour or so. And he was asked about Joel Embiid and his knee and his injury. And here's part of what Doc Rivers said. Quote, from my understanding, they checked his knee out right after the game because he was complaining about some soreness behind the knee, which is always a scary thing when it's behind the knee. And there was swelling already which is way too early, close quote. That doesn't sound great. Ominous. Yeah, not great. Uh, So, you know, the thought that Joel Embiid is sitting out today in part just to rest because the knee injury isn't that bad, I'm not sure we can say that just yet. No, uh, again, you got a win today, and you get an amazing 10 days off before the second round, and you, you hope that that's whatever he has is minor enough that those 10 days off allow it to heal completely because the playoffs are a long slog. And if you go against Boston in a long series and then go against Milwaukee in a long series, all optimistically, and then go up against the winner of the Western Conference in a long series, he he could possibly play up to 20 more games. And uh, you need the knee to be healthy for that. Well, I mean, 10 days... You know, Bryce Harper could probably have re-knee construction <laughs> surgery and be back for game one of the second round. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Scott in North Carolina wants to talk about the Eagles draft. Scott, you're on with Mike and Glenn. Hey there. Oh, it's great to hear Ray right before I talk. Uh, I do have one question. I mean, I'm all for Dijon. But really, uh, is Gibbs really a step down at all from Dijon? Well, I mean, look, I haven't scouted these guys, Scott, to the degree that someone like Ray has or, you know, people who make their living prognosticating about the draft. Uh, But I will say this. That's one of the arguments, and thanks so much for the call, that works against taking a B. John Robinson at number 10, Glenn, which is that if there are other running backs who are even comparable, why use... Why allocate such such valuable resources to taking a running back that high, especially when you have a an offensive line that that's good? That, that because as good as the, Eagles. the answer to me is because you're one step away from winning the Super Bowl, and uh, I I agree that they have holes to fill on defense. I, I don't disagree with that, but if you have the opportunity to get a plug and play guy who will add that much of an element to your offense that you don't have, remember. We negate the loss of Miles Sanders like he was nobody. Miles Sanders is a really good player, and their running back position right now is pretty sketchy. We like Kenny Gainwell toward the end of the year, but he's got a ton to prove. By the way, apparently moving to jersey number zero. Yes. Um, I like Boston Scott as a change-of-pace role guy, but that's what he is. I think you sooner or somewhere along the line they need to add a very good running back. And to me, if you get that guy in the first round and he is good enough to – as I said, give you the element you need to get you back to the Super Bowl, I'm all in. I'm not looking long-term. I'm not looking eight years with this pick. I'm looking three years with this pick. If Kenny Gainwell starts wearing the number zero, which apparently he is, I'm going to start referring to him as Orlando Woolridge. Yeah. I like. I kind of find it cool. I, like I do, too. Zero. I do, too. Jacob uh, in Philadelphia wants to talk about Bryce Harper. Go ahead, Jacob. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for the call. Sure. Um, so Bryce Harper is um, – I love that he's coming back quickly, but I know that he's only coming back quickly because he's not a pitcher. So, which which to me means he shouldn't be throwing. And in the in the MLB, we've seen people be like, "Don't swing the bat. I don't care what goes on at the plate. Don't swing the bat." 
Bryce Harper in the field is a competitor at nature, just how it is. Like, so I can't see him playing first base, having a runner on third going to score, and him not humming that ball to, to home. Yeah, I think the immediate thing is to get him back. I think the immediate thing is getting him back as DH. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think I think the getting him to play first base is more of a, you know, let's – Let's see how this plays out over time. I don't think they're going to rush him back to first base if he's, if you know, his shoulder yeah, just elbowed there. Yeah. yeah. I also have, uh, you asked the question, guys, uh, a player that has played with one organization without winning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably one of my favorite players that I've never got to watch playing. I watched all his tape, but Dan Marino. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. I, Jacob, I think that's right at the top of the list. Thank you. We, Glenn, we got a couple of people on Twitter who had weighed in on this, too, and Marino got mentioned more than anyone. Uh, Marino is one. Can I give you a couple of names? I thought I didn't look on Twitter, but the names that occurred to me. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, and we asked this question because we hope it's not true, which is you said you want Joel Embiid to play his entire career, even if he doesn't win a title. And I get it. Obviously, we want him to win a title. But the other names that occurred to me, Marino in football, uh, Reggie Miller and John Stockton in basketball Great would ones. be the ones yeah. that I would go with. Yeah. And, and the other one in basketball that I thought of was Elgin Baylor, uh, who never won a title with the – Wait, Lakers. Did Lakers never won during his time there? No, no. Wow. Yeah, Jerry West, I think, only won once, right? And, uh, and then he threw the trophy. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Steve in Kingsburg wants to weigh in on the Eagles draft. Hey, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Good afternoon, fellas. Um, I just want to say I feel like this might not happen because I don't know the numbers right now. So if the Eagles, whether they trade back the 10th pick to the Titans and then try to go get Derrick Henry over here or even trade – 30th pick and try to get Derrick Henry versus drafting the running back. I already know how he's not going to want to draft the running back that high. And we're looking for now, a now-term goal, not looking out in the future like you just said a few moments ago. And if we go get Derrick Henry, he only has one more year left on his contract, and they're already looking to move. So if, they, if we trade that pick and then we get the Titans leverage to draft Bijan, now they can rebuild like they're already trying to, and we can get back and try to get back in the Super Bowl because that's the main goal right now. Steve, thanks for the call. This has come up on Twitter a little bit, Glenn. I don't know if you saw it. I I don't know who reported it, and I'm not even sure if the person who reported it is all that credible, but the idea of Derrick Henry coming to the Eagles. uh, I saw that, too. You go first. uh, I guess it it would depend on what it's costing the Eagles to get him. Uh, As Steve said, he's got a year left on his contract uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it because you're not turning him into a 300 carry back. But uh, he is a 300 carry back. You're turning him away from being a 300 carry back, and that's that's my concern with that, right? Isn't that what Derrick Henry is? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. So uh, is he ready, and would he benefit you enough? Again, you're right. What's the cost in terms of what's what's he make, and what's the cost in terms of draft picks and so on? But um, is he a guy who will work as a – 12, what, 15 carry a game. Guy. Right. That I mean, that's that's this, the other side of the coin. You can look at it one of two ways. You can say, okay, Derrick Henry is not at his best unless he's getting 20 to 30 carries in a game. But is he the kind of guy at this stage of his career who can be as productive as possible getting 20 to 30 carries a game? And might he be better if he's getting 10 to 15? Uh, I don't know. I, you know. Uh, I don't. I don't know enough about Henry as a. As a. I mean, he's a terrific running back, and everybody knows that. But uh, I don't know if he's a guy who feels like he has to get into a rhythm and has to get the ball a lot so that he's at his best. Uh, that would be the question I would have too. 
Uh, Andy in Bucks County, my stomping grounds, wants to weigh in on Matt Patricia. You uh, chewing a pencil there, Andy, or what? <laughs> you know, um, Matt Patricia, well, let me start from the beginning. Jeff Stoutland was an offensive line coach at Syracuse University. Yes. And he was a disciple of a legendary coach by the name of George DeLeon. He yep. adopted George DeLeon's techniques and so forth. DeLeon just passed away about a, little, about a year ago. Um, while, Stout, while Stoutland and DeLeon were coaching very successfully, a Syracuse offensive line for a number of years, their graduate assistant was Matt Patricia. Ah. I, I thought that was an interesting connection that no one's discussed. And the other thing is, Matt Patricia is an astrophysicist. He's literally a, he's a rocket scientist. He's a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant guy. So I just thought that was interesting that there might be a connection there that no one's discussed. Just an observation. Interesting. Uh, it is interesting, Thanks, although Andy. I also think there's, in the NFL or in football, there's really that six degrees of separation with almost any coach, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it, true. They, there's, these guys move around so much that most everybody can be connected to somebody. Not to minimize what he said, but that happens a lot. Astrophysicist, great. You know, <laughs> when the Glenn Eagles is are, not impressed. When the, when the Eagles are, if they want to run the rocket offense, that'll be really helpful. <laughs> Elon Musk, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Matt Patricia. Yeah. Right up there at the top of uh, America's intellectual elite. Uh, Marcus and Perkisy wants to weigh in on Bijan Robinson and the National Hockey League. Go ahead, Marcus. Hey, guys. Uh, love the show. Um, let's see. Uh, real quick uh, for, for a guy, uh, I might be wrong about this. Didn't Mike Quick only play for the Eagles? No. Mike Quick ended up. Uh, wait a second. I don't. No, I think he did just play yeah. for the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you not, know what? I was, not particularly I was, long. I was mixing. Yeah, he and he got hurt. That is correct. I was mixing Mike up with Harold Carmichael for one second because they were both great. But yes, Mike was with the Eagles and he got hurt, and then that was that. Yes. Okay. Um, you kind of made my point for me a couple seconds ago, Glenn. With the, with I, I am absolutely I'm Bijan or bust. Um, it's like you either realize where we were a few months ago and want to get back to the Super Bowl and finish the job or you don't if you if you you know want to build for the future and keep being really good for a bunch of years you can draft Skaronsky and keep going that way I really think that if you plug Bijan into this offense right now we're going back it, it it's it's a ridiculous offense I know that you know defense needs help but I trust Howie um yeah um, that's, I'm kind of that's exactly how Again, Glenn if, is I won't at. be upset if if they drafted Edge Rusher. I'm not going to you know throw my notebook and stomp around. I'm fine with it. And if even if they draft an offensive lineman, I get it. I just think there is that opportunity here. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I don't <laughs> going back to the NHL. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't know where these various series are. But I was watching uh, Leafs versus what Florida Light, Lightning. The yep, Leafs are playing yep, the Leafs Lightning. Versus yeah. Lightning, and then uh, whoever versus uh, Florida. Who's the Bru- Florida? Bruins. The Bruins are playing the Bruins. Panthers. The Bruins. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, these are like safe games for me to watch. I'm going to enjoy this. No, <laughs> they started. Lo- the northern teams were losing to southern teams, and all it, in the back of my mind is. I know that I could talk to Glenn about this because I absolutely agree. I always, I have a hockey bias that I only root for hockey teams in cities that get snow. (laughs) No, it's true. 
I don't, I don't think the NHL should be in cities that don't have snow. Maybe L.A., I don't know, maybe Dallas. Other than that, no. And I will always root for the original 12 or the original 14 mm-hmm. over expansion pretenders. Yeah, it's— uh, Never Nashville. It's it's interesting, though, Glenn. Like, the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning have become really strong franchises in that league. Uh, I'm with you on maybe the Florida Panthers. Obviously, they had a team in Atlanta— the Thrashers that ended up having to move back to Winnipeg, but uh, I understand where you're coming from. That's that's part of what makes the sport great is those original cities where it's cold. Yeah, and one of my things on sports, and it's, I'm arguing against reality here, is there are too many teams in all the leagues, and so the talent is too diluted, and only certain cities deserve major league franchises in all the sports, and so... Wish me luck with that because I don't think they're they're not going to contract. Baseball is going to expand now, right? Isn't that the new thing? That's the idea. I I know that Orlando would like to have a major league franchise yeah. because that's what we need is another major league franchise in Florida, right? Uh, and, and Vegas is going to get the A's. Which Vegas is going to get the A's. It's sad, but I get it. Yeah, I mean, look, there were times when the A's have drawn, but I mean, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about that Reggie Jackson documentary. Go back and watch. Some of that footage, there's like five, 6,000 people in the Coliseum for a team that's winning championships year after year. Yeah. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not broken up about Oakland losing the A's. Anyway, we've got time. We're heading to a break. We've got time for a couple more of your calls. Dan Wilson, our producer, is going to tell us what we forgot to talk about. If you want to weigh in at the last minute on Joel Embiid or Jalen Hurts and the Eagles and the draft and the Phillies and all that kind of stuff, 215-592-9494. It's your last chance to talk to Glenn Macnow and Mike Sealski on WIP. Hey, are you tired of dealing with those old, inefficient windows in your house? Maybe it's time to go Guida. How about that drafty, beat-up-looking entry door you painted over more times than you can count? Well, go Guida. If you need added protection from the elements with a new storm door, go Guida. And what about that sliding patio door? The garage door you've been meaning to replace, go Guida. Whatever your home improvement needs are, I suggest you go Guida with the great people at Guida Door and Window. To help you get your project started, Guida is offering 20% off all windows and doors while allowing you to start your project with no money down and up to three full years to pay them off interest-free. That's right. Receive 20% instant savings with the luxury of paying off your project interest-free for up to 36 months. Restrictions apply. Offers for a limited time. So what are you waiting for? It is time you finally go Guida. Call today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Ninety four WIP, Glenn Macnow and Mike Sealski, tying a bow on our show today. Glenn, what do you have uh, going on at the Cape later? Today? I am uh, actually today going to actually. I'm leaving from here to watch my ten uh, year old grandson uh, play baseball, oh, which awesome. is the greatest thing in the world that you could possibly do on a day like today. That's 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 pretty great. I am uh, I am getting in a car and driving west on the Pennsylvania Turnpike to Pittsburgh to uh, do some research for my book. That book, by the way, and in case people don't know, the theme of that book, I I can't wait. Tell people what it's about. So it is, uh, the loose title of the book is Throw It Down, the myth and magic of basketball's most powerful shot. And it's all about the history of the slam dunk. 
kind of each chapter is going to be an examination of a, an athlete or a moment that is tied to the slam dunk. So there'll be a chapter on Dr. J. There'll be a chapter on the 1983 Final Four and Lorenzo Charles and NC State. There'll oh, be, I love this. Yeah, there'll be one on the 1988 Slam Dunk Contest. I talked to Spud Webb for 45 minutes about the 88 <laughs> Dunk Contest. There's a chapter on women's basketball players and the dunk. And I am heading west to Pittsburgh because I'm going to be meeting tomorrow, fingers crossed, with the grandson of Connie Hawkins, who most, if you know anything about basketball, know what a schoolyard playground legend he was in the 50s and 60s, a great player, um, not, not a playground legend in the 60s, but a great player for the Phoenix Suns and a great player for the Pittsburgh ABA team. The, the Piper, Condors? The Pipers oh, the slash Piper? Condors. Yeah, they wow. won the first ABA championship. And uh, so I'm heading out there for about 24 to 48 hours to do some That's research. That's great. I yeah. can't wait for that book. And uh, your Kobe thanks. book is now in Espanol. Kobe book is in Espanol. It is in Chinese. It is, uh, we have a, a script uh, in, in finished, I think, for a movie. We are working on a documentary. Uh, yeah, a lot, hey, of, lot of stuff going wow. on. Wow. You know, Good for you. Good trying, for you. man. Trying. Just just a squirrel trying to get a nut here, you know? Um, and so, Dan Wilson, what did we miss today? Yeah, so first of all, uh, enjoyed dinner with you guys the other night. We forgot to talk about that. We Wednesday. did. Oh, my That's goodness. Right. At, That's right. At, that dinner at Ralph's Italian restaurant was fantastic. Uh, Mike Sielski, generous tipper, let the world know that. <laughs> and uh, Ralph's really did lay it out for us uh, and a great time was had by all. And uh, Dan Wilson, for the second year in a row, kind of put a damper at the end by ordering <laughs> chocolate ice cream for dessert. Ah, uh, it's the best. But, an Italian but, restaurant. But Ralph's stepped up and gave yeah. him gelato. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just like running across the street to the 7-Eleven to get Which a, Glenn generously a, offered, a yeah. A crunch bar or something like that. I mean, right. he, you know, they did right by him. I asked for the ice cream sandwich out of the freezer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, we we discussed everything from Yadier Molina's Hall of Fame chances. Uh, the poor guy next to us who was sneezing and oh, God, seemed to have yeah. a take on it. <laughs> oh the guy gosh. at the restaurant seemed very interested in Yadier Molina, and then yes, proceeded to sneeze like thirty times in a row. Yeah, which uh, hopefully none of us are going to catch whatever he had. Uh, as long as he he did it before we got our food, which was the most important mm. thing. And if you've ever been to Ralph's, those tables are packed tightly together so if uh, you know if our calamari in uh clams casino had come out and he had had his sneezing fit it would have been bad we also spent uh the final night with glenn while he was a verified twitter user which yeah. we, we discussed yeah. as well well i mike you as well right yes. we lost our blue you both checks. lost your blue checks on that i night. do believe uh the world will survive um i mean listen i i think there was a purpose to those which is that you know who has that blue check has been literally verified and checked out and you can trust that who it's from, but whatever. I'm, I'll stay on Twitter. Mike, I'm sure you'll stay on Twitter, but I, it's it's a weird place to be these days. I'm staying on. I honestly think losing the blue check was why Joel Embiid played so poorly Thursday night against the Nets. He just, you know, he wasn't in the right mental frame of mind and just he doesn't have the blue check anymore. And you see people's reactions on Twitter to losing the blue check. What I'm saying doesn't sound that outlandish. People are freaking out. Go get a life. Howard managed to keep his. I don't know if you guys caught that, but uh, yeah. Everyone, he paid the $8? I, I don't know if he paid it, but he's still verified. Oh. Well, I assume he paid it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Well, again, people can do whatever own. they want. Uh, second thing, uh, so we hit it briefly in the last segment, but the Oakland A's officially announced this week they're moving to Las Vegas, and not only just them, but for years, like growing up, like for the first 20 years of my life, I was told that a 
a sports franchise in Vegas would never work. Now they're going to have three, two of them being plucked from Oakland. You know, one of the things about Vegas that I have come to learn that I didn't know is Vegas actually has people who live there, not just tourists and not just people who live or work on the Strip. Vegas, uh, like 10 years ago, was the fastest-growing metropolitan area in the country and it has huge sprawl and lots of people, and it'll probably work. My uh, friends, excuse me, my parents have good friends who live out in Vegas and have been there for a while. And the Golden Knights, the, the NHL team there, are a thing. People care about them. That environment there in that arena is great. Uh, maybe the A's will make a go of it in Vegas. All right, and my last thing here, uh, sticking with the theme of hockey, uh, Devils-Rangers game three tonight. Devils up 2-0. Series shifts across the Hudson River to Madison Square Garden. I don't necessarily care so much about the outcome of the series, but this is the David Putty series. Get excited. <laughs> yeah. Got to support the team. Got to support the team. <sighs> Does Alec Berg have tickets? I mean, is Sherry going to give the day after phone call? What's happening here? We're the Devils! That's an all, For those of you who don't know, that is an all-time top ten Seinfeld episode where David Putty, Elaine's on-off boyfriend, reveals himself to be a face painter and a huge Devils fan. One of my favorites, Glenn. One of my favorite episodes. It's a great of all one. Time. Gives, gives a heart attack to the poor priest, priest driving the car. That's right. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Thinks he saw the actual devil. Yeah. Hello. I mean, that's you know. I wonder if you could make a show like Seinfeld now. I mean, go back and watch it. There are so many lines and moments that I wonder if they would get past the kind of unspoken censorship of. Today. I would I argue, and we'll do that. this another day, that Seinfeld added more to the American lexicon than any show in the history of television. Oh, that's a that's a great call. I mean, think about how many sayings and expressions we have and use regularly now because of that show. Not, not that sure. there's anything wrong with that. Not master sure of Dan your domain Wilson is a master of his own domain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Glenn, this has been fun. Uh, yeah, thanks. J- thanks for carrying it today. Yeah, too. sure. And enjoy the rest of your time up on the Cape. I'm going to start heading west on the Turnpike. Dan Wilson, thank you. Thank you to Ray Dittinger. Thank you to Jim Folan. Hope he's already got three or four hits today in that doubleheader from Montgomery County Community College. Bird, uh, Go Birds Radio is coming up next, and we will talk to you guys later. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.